You are going to record. Hey. Oh. I'm recording the intro right now. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, see, I see the little red light. Big bottom 24. Big bottom. XIV. Man, you know, because we were close to the Super Bowl with one of those things. Well, with LV with 20, no, 55, right? LV 55? Um, Maybe. I don't know. Google was, check us. Google check us. I dare you. I think I was playing video games at the time. I was watching so, it. I was cooking. I heard some mom, stuff happened. I was eating decadent food, but I did watch the majority of the game. I watched the whole thing, man. I was cooking. Had some oh, I actually did. Yeah, I made some pretty rocking bacon cheeseburgers. Nice. I made a chili. Oh, there you go. I made scallops and beef. Mm. Well, now. Pretty good. Yeah. It was good. How are you guys? Hey, guys. Um, Y'all well? I'm all right. Yeah. Nice. You guys good? Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, I mentioned it on the intro to the last time. I uh, went and had that band audition. Yes. Did not get the gig. But I mean, it, it's some one of those things I think important too. like we, we talked about before, um, they, they mentioned that, you know, playing was spot on tone was dead, dead it, mm. but you know, it came down to uh, stronger vocals yeah. that they had somebody for. And so, you know, it comes down to always, especially when you were coming into a gigging situation like that, it's not always going to be about your, just your playing ability. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's an everything ability. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, but John, you know, we're pretty excited to hear about the new projects coming along too. So. Yeah. You know, took the, uh, took the step to, uh, bump the, uh, bass and drum solo stuff I've been doing to a quartet. I've been thinking about it actually for a long time. Um, actually because one, one of our mutual, um, heroes, Tony, uh, Jonas Helborg, mm. uh, from his <clears throat> album with Tony Williams and I think the Turtle Island string quartet, oh, the wow. word. Hmm. I think that's word, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. From that, I always thought it'd be cool to do that. So I, I kind of tapped some of my my friends in the musical theater thing to see if they'd be interested. Everybody jumped right on board. So nice. now it's looking into some of my stuff, starting starting to arrange it, I guess. Hmm. So we could start doing some rehearsals and things like that. That sounds rad. That's mm -hmm. awesome, man. Nice. Very cool. And uh Tony, how about you? I had a great conversation today with the people over at Nordstrand. Oh, our buddies! Shout out! Stuart, I got a very Stuart, nice Adrian, Christmas card. Did you? Nice. I did. Very cool. Stu, can't forget Stu. No, mm -hmm. Stu, Adrian, Carrie. <clears throat> uh, we are we are talking about the development of the pickups. We're going to do a little spin mm. on the pickups for my new signature base actually we're not, we're not doing something completely stock we are doing something slightly different nice. um i'm normally an open book and i say what it is but because it's a lull based product i'm i'm gonna well, not say mm -hmm. there, well you know we'll be able to talk about it on on future when it shows up podcast. yeah the north stream pickups they are slightly different nice all right um they're proprietary to one very particular base so that nice. should be hopefully we'll see sometime in 2021 maybe this summer mm -hmm. 
So very cool. Very cool, man. And we had a freaking rad conversation. Longer than I expected. Dale oh. is is he's a he I mean he's, he's legendary. Awesome, he's legendary. Great. You know, he's he he's is great. he's been involved in some of the really, really important things in the in base. In the base community, Dale is not knee deep. He's chesty. Okay. It, it, yeah. He's been in it. I, I, I enjoyed like every second, man. What a, just a good dude, smart, intelligent, articulate, and funny as hell. And, yeah. also, and humble. So humble. Mm-hmm. So totally humble. Yeah. The nicest guy. The yeah. nicest guy, you know. And, and he might be my uh, drug dealer to actually bringing me into pedal boards. <laughs> so hey let's just yeah. talk about a sponsor for a second if we oh, can yeah 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 i gotta yeah. get you guys some some maybe some more coffee soon yeah don't have a coffee out of peabody massachusetts yeah in here will coffee. be the logo and the uh web page and all that stuff just all that imagine. stuff boom i love so, that yeah. hand steve did you suddenly get italian I yeah. did. I do. I've been hanging out with you too much. The gabagoo. The gabagoo ain't good right now. <laughs> I'm watching a lot of Sopranos too. Um, oh. Yeah. So Donnie Brook. Donnie Brook coffee. Donnie Brook coffee. It's amazing. Yeah. I I need more. I could use some more for sure. I'll uh, I'll send you guys out something. Guys. Yeah. Um. Uh. And for those who don't know, Dale Titus. So you guys, you had known him. For a while, right? Joe? Yeah, I've known him for a number of years. Okay. All right. Yeah. Educator, marketing, uh, sales. I've known Dale loosely, but not like John. John worked yeah. with him. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's a sweetheart. And, and an amazing oh, yeah. player. Killer player. Killer player. You know. Great yeah. player, yeah. Yeah. Anybody Educator. best friends with Dino, you yeah. know, says a lot because yeah. mm-hmm. he's a freaking sweetheart. That's so, cool. Yeah. It was an amazing conversation. I, I really, yeah, kind of. We're lucky that we can have our friends on God. here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very cool, sure. man. Yeah, man. Yes. All right. Well, that's the big bottom. So check it out. Check, check it, out. it out, guys. All right. Enjoy it. Uh, Steve Araujo. Oh, John Moody. <laughs> Tony Paleo. It's All always right. Steve, John, Tony. That's how well, it goes. Is that how it goes? I don't I, know. I, it could be somebody I, else. I got the memo. Where's your memo? Yeah. I got I, this memo. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> Tony, I got to get you this memo. I'll get you a memo. I'll hook Remember, you. I can't wear camouflage. I look no like one will see him. Mentally deficient Rambo. I can't use the other language, right? So, I, you know. He's special Rambo. Special Rambo. Why can't you just be Rambo? No. Why? I wouldn't be. No. Why not? Why can't you be Rambo? <laughs> that's, I, I'm not. I'm just being so much just alone. Oh man, Adrian! We are going to offend somebody, and I'm. I guess I'm sorry. That's so much just alone. I know. I know. I know. But I'm sorry. His best movie is Cliffhanger. Or came back to town right now. I can't do it. But what the hell so are you doing now, Steve? What the hell is that? It's Sly, from man. Whatever, it's Sly. Blah, blah. It kind of sounds like Buffalo Bill from. <laughs> it's it's kind of like what Brian Bella said. 
Oh, is that the Dutch Lord of the Rings? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about, Dutch Lord of the Rings? He kind of talks like that. That's my Sylvester Stallone impersonation. I thought that was like a Sean Connery thing, you know, that you were just doing. No, it's not Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> That's more like Sean Connery. <laughs> All right, so. All right, we're going to add this on to Dale, okay? Yeah. We are ending episode 24, Big Bottom, Dale Titus. <laughs> All right, guys, everybody enjoy Ooh. it. We'll see you. Big bottom, 24. Big bottom, Bye. 24. Out. Three, two, one. Boom. All right. Action. We are Contact. on. Action. Slate. Marker. All that crap. Dale John. Titus. Go ahead. Hey. Introduce. introduce. I was going to say, John, introduce it. We're very professional go. on this. We yeah, always exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, coming here, um, many people know him as one of the key voices over at Aguilar Amplification or also an incredible bass educator from MI onwards. I uh, know him as a dear friend, Mr. Dale Titus. Uh, thank you guys. Thank you guys. Audience and, you know, loud cheering. I don't well, get it in the shows, so don't break the, you know, I mean. No, right. we get, start no, 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 we're, we're doing, we're spoiling you on this one. We'll oh, add in okay. some of the MST3K <laughs> like commentary stuff. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, Dale, are you in New York or are you West Coast, East Coast? Where are you at? Where do you live? I'm West Coast, man. I'm north of you. Okay. I work up in Folsom, California. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I started um, repping in 98 for Dana B. Goods. I was repping Warbrick USA. Yeah. And um, they let us work from our homes. And uh, when, uh, when that kind of, yeah, after 14 years, they downsized, didn't want remote employees of within 48 hours, Aguilar hired me. And they were like, no, stay right there. Um, and so honestly, it's been great because in the pandemic, I haven't changed my workflow at all. Nice, so. that's good to hear. And you've been working, which is great. Yeah, 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 uh, thank God. I mean, it's yes. been really wonderful. Um, yeah, it's a great team to work with. And, you know, I, like I said, I've actually worked from home since, 95 I, you know because i worked from home i helped jeff berlin set up the player school of music That's awesome. and uh i worked from arizona to help him get accreditation and things like that okay and then i became the editor of base frontiers which we all worked from home so that was i mean so it's been i i well i lived <laughs> in hollywood for like five years sure and the commute uh well i, I worked at mi in hollywood and i lived in Burbank, what should have been like a 15 minute drive was like an hour. Oh, and wow. that just broke mm -hmm. me from ever wanting to commute again. Yeah. That's where I think New York wins or any Boston, anyone has mass transit. Man, I would have used that in a heartbeat, but at the time they didn't have it for us. Well, so. Especially LA, LA traffic yeah. is the most horrendous. Like literally yeah. if you're in Santa Monica wanting to go to Hollywood, it's an hour and a half, no matter what, doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. I know that commute, even though I'm from Boston, I know that Burbank to Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Me a little commute. And that's Yeah. I mean that's with ugly. That's within yeah. LA, Los Angeles. It's it's a nightmare. And then coming from Orange County when I used to gig a lot up in LA, downtown. I mean it was yeah. hour and a half. I, I'd give myself two hours and I'd barely make it. No See, that's a good that changed me, Steve, because yeah. when you gig down there, um, because again, I was there for five years and I gig really regularly. Yeah. You had a Thomas guide and yeah, you remember? 
course. Yeah. Of course. You have yeah. to have the Thomas guy. And but you have to give yourself hours. Yeah. Because you never knew a sick alert on the freeway sure. could mean you missed the gig. Uh, auditions, I would go so early for an audition and find a cafe that was within walking distance and just sit, you know, you had to. Well, so. that's, you're a responsible musician because a lot of guys <laughs> don't do that shit. Yeah. A lot of guys either run late. I mean, I've been on casuals where guys show up literally right before down. You're like, are you kidding me? Like, what are you doing? So anyways, that's good. So nice. You're, you're over, you're West Coast. You're West yeah. Coast. Nice. Yeah, you're down, you're down in Orange, right? I'm in Rancho Santa Margarita. So that's basically yeah. kind of um, Mission Viejo-esque, like right where yeah. the five and the 405 meet ish. Right. Yeah, right. and then work in Fullerton. So everything's, I mean, you know, Orange County traffic isn't that bad. Sometimes it can yeah. be bad, but it's it's a piece of cake compared to, to L.A. Yeah, my uh, my daughter is uh, in her first year at Chapman University. Oh, so, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, she's a dance major there, and I love yeah. the community. Of course, yes. you know, we've all been going to Anaheim. You know, my first NAMM show was 1985. Oh, my and, God. Uh, uh, you know, everyone knows Anaheim Orange. I mean, you yeah. can get around, you know, instinctually. So. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And man, this year, bummer. But hopefully next year. Hopefully next yeah. year. We'll so, see. We'll so, see what happens. Yeah. And, I, and I have a question. I don't mean to be hogging, but I loved Base Frontiers magazine. Oh, thank you. I, I have, I think, I mean, I have all my back issues of Base Player, but I think I have a lot of back, a lot of original issues of Base Frontiers. Yeah. And were you editing it from the beginning or because it went like five years or so, right? Like how it went. Yeah, um, it went on beyond that as online only. But okay. so it started really? as uh, Jim Hyatt started it as a newsletter called the Base Instructors Newsletter. Oh, wow. And okay. I was actually on the cover of, uh, I want to say issue three or issue four, talking yeah. about my approach to teaching, you know, creative creativity and stuff. What I wrote about in base front or base player magazine. Yeah. And when I left LA and moved to Arizona uh, for a couple of years, Jim started asking me to do more interviews. So I started doing interviews. I started writing columns. Nice. And then he was really not into actually being the editor. He was really wanting to be the publisher and do big, you know, think more on the bigger scope. Okay. And grow, you know, at, even I got to give him credit. At that time, he was looking at growing the brand. Mm -hmm. So I moved to, uh, I moved to Sacramento and uh, actually started as the editor. I was the editor, I want to say, for six issues. Nice. Uh, and But I'll tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to publicly say something I've never said. I'm breaking news here with Big Bottom. <laughs> we couldn't pay anybody. Yeah. And so a lot of people would write for us, uh, you know, for free, or we would mm. run ads for their al a magazine or for albums, whatever. Sure. But there was one issue I could just see on the on the for horizon that we had nobody so i actually wrote every article in the magazine but <laughs> i didn't i didn't want it to seem like we were small time so oh. i made up names for every single person in the magazine <laughs> i love what is that called a nom de plume right that's right yeah, yeah. I nom de plume. I was, yeah. and i was so embarrassed man your middle like, name and the, and the street you grew up on there oh, you go man. yeah he, dale was looking at all of those like what's your name type things like all right this person's writing this article oh my gosh that yeah. is incredible wow well if anybody ha i'll have to look for the for that epi that that magazine I, I have them stored away somewhere but if you have it you should have him sign it yes oh <laughs> absolutely. All the awesome 
Right. With so all I want to know, Dale, what did you use for names? Because I had to do something with nothing that intense, but I wrote local reviews on bands. And I'm like, yeah. oh, geez, I know everybody in Boston. I can't yeah. put my name on this stuff. <laughs> what do I do? Like, why am I? I said yes prematurely. And then so I used the, the, the porno name, like what I was just talking about. Middle name, street you grew up on, right? Yeah. And then, I, uh, I didn't want to use like any, com you know, bass players are the smartest audience. And I'm not saying that to pander. It's like, you know, I did, I went through a lot of marketing with Musicians Institute and the profiles for the different departments, how you spoke to a guitar player to try to get them to come to school is way different than a bass player. Okay. So I knew if I was to use like, uh, you know, Bootsy Entwistle, that would not fly. And so I actually would take, I'd look at my high school yearbook and take the first name of one of my friends that's male and the last name of one of my friends who was female. And that way I figured it was Da Vinci code. No one would ever be able to figure it out. So. Until now. I love yeah, how it comes up now. Somebody watching better. this that's just throwing his hands up going like, I knew it. <laughs> what is it? They have a little triptych thing, little like, Oh, that's how he figured it out. The little dial thing. They've got a wall of like oh, all man. these things, like all these different names. And there's a yearbook thing. It's like first name here, oh. last name here. I'm going to put this on talk base and I'm, I bet you anything somebody's going to say something. Oh, hell yeah. Well, and I, and I have to tell you, I got so paranoid about it that like one writer would only use contractions. So everything was can't, wouldn't, won't. One writer spoke like data from Star Trek The Next Generation. Everything was, I cannot see that as being, you know, I tried to change my writing style. Wow. Well, well, okay. If I, if, if any English <laughs> teachers, masters or somewhere, look it up and give an honorary degree to you. Because yeah. That's a study in, in literature. Like really, I mean, that's, yeah, this is something like, AP classes in yeah. high school should be looking at and like, look, this is how you ghost write an entire magazine <laughs> as a persona. You know, as personas. I, yeah. I owned an Elric fretless that was given away through Frontiers magazine for a while. Oh, no way. Yes, it was beautiful. And I'm speaking in past because I was an asshole and I sold it somewhere, but it was beautiful. Yeah. It was a fretless, but it was one of those giveaways. Spalted, yeah. you know, it was just. It was gorgeous, and I'm just stupid for getting rid of it. But yeah, that was one of the giveaway bases from there. Well, you know, the bass community, I, I'll make no qualms about it. I love the bass community. And yeah. I um, yeah. I started playing relatively late. I started playing bass when I was 18. Okay. But um, the family I, I developed at Musicians Institute with my the teachers there became more and more. And as I became the editor of Bass Frontiers, what just blew me away was how many manufacturers like Elric would step up and say, hey, you know what? I want to help out. How about I have this? And you'll do a giveaway. I have this. Wow. I cannot remember, unless Jim didn't tell me, I can't remember a time we actually solicited for it. People would just literally contact us. Awesome. Uh, Mike Tobias, such a yeah. sweet guy. Yeah. I mean, he would call up and give us hints and like, hey, you might want to try to do this. I mean, it was so cool because Jim and I both, neither of us, at least I don't think Jim has, but we didn't have a journalism degree. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so we were just doing our best and and it was, you know, and it was amazing to, the support uh, to, to get from the manufacturers, yeah. from subscribers were amazing, you know. Uh, so anyway, I just, I just, I, I really have a, a a large part of my heart goes to the bass community because they've just always been there for me. They've been so cool. Anytime I start a new project, automatically people jump on. They're, it's supportive. It's really great.
That's awesome. I love that. And and you guys, I mean, Base Frontiers was obviously directly, you know, Base Player Magazine, but Base Frontiers kind of had, it was almost in that day where the boutique stuff, like it was still like I had to go up and pilgrimage to Base Center to play yeah. like these exotic instruments and stuff. And front, Base Frontiers almost catered to that, that niche, that left of center, you know, not just Fender, yeah. not just Guild, but... The Ken Smith, yeah. the the Federos, the Elrics, the you know those guys, and it was it was at Tobias, you know, and yeah. I always loved that, you know, that was a really cool side of it, you know. You know, he's had, oh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, 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 go on, go on, go on. I said we had two unique identities. What we wanted to do is, and we learned. I learned this when I was helping with recruitment at Musicians Institute. They would send us to, like seminars on on marketing. Okay. And the whole thing was about a unique identity. We knew we couldn't out bass player, bass player. And Jim really loved the boutique luthiers and um, was really like wanting to help those people, mm -hmm. that particular population of builders, he really wanted help. Cause at the time internet was just happening and you know a lot of them weren't really on it at all. So he wanted to really elevate and do more mm -hmm. reviews like that. My part was I wanted to put on the cover the founding fathers and and mothers i wanted to be historically i wanted i didn't want because at the time if you went to the newsstand there were a lot of whoever was the hottest on the charts yeah. and mm -hmm. i respect that and i understand that that also was really great for your circulation you put a young player who happens to have number one hit on people that weren't bass players might buy the magazine so it looked good on your sell through sure um but i just felt like mm -hmm. putting lee sklar on the cover was like so important <laughs> Um, you know, doing yeah. things like that to remind, like we even did a, a series uh, called Gone But Not Forgotten, where okay. we would take uh, bass players who had passed and try to do a quick, before Wikipedia, a quick Wikipedia, this is why they're important. And it was on the back page of several of the issues. Yeah. Um, because I thought that was our unique, uh, our unique spot. Now, Jim Roberts actually gave me my start in writing because he asked me to, I had written a book called Creative Explorations that I self-published. Mm -hmm. And all my relatives loved getting it for Christmas. Um, but Jim Roberts somehow heard about it and asked me to do that back column for one year. I did a back column, Creative Explorations. Yeah, okay. Um, and then he asked me to do like, my very first interview with an artist was Tim Bogert, who, who was a good friend of mine. Wow. And we recently lost, um, but he actually was my first interview. So Jim really got me going. And honestly, when I started working for Base Frontiers, mm -hmm. I felt loyalty. I felt like bummed about it. I didn't want any negative, bad blood. I don't, I never want to look over my shoulder. This industry's we're, we're, we are a, a community that can support each other. Yeah. We don't have to be competitive, but I didn't know if it was going to create any issues. So I remember when the Lee Sklar issue, we put on the cover Father Time with a big, great picture. The uh, interview yeah. was by Alexa Floretsky. And um, it was an amazing interview. And I got a call from Jim Roberts, who I hadn't talked to in years. And he calls me and uh, and he just says, hey man, I'm holding you a new issue. And I'm like, oh, great. And he goes, this is a real magazine. Man. And I just thought, wow, you know, I'd like to thank the Academy for this award. Um, you like me, awesome. you really yeah. like me. Wow. That's yeah. that's cool. That's good kudos right there. That's yeah. cool. Wow. I love Jim. Jim's yeah. Jim was genius. The first guy we know this. The first guy or woman who ever does something, the yeah. groundbreaker, the pathmaker, takes all the risk, 
without any of the confidence that can be done other than the confidence they have in themselves. Mm -hmm. And Jim Roberts, because prior to that, I don't know if you guys remember, there had been attempts at like special issues of base magazines and things like that. And they hadn't done well. They didn't get, people just didn't buy in. Jim took the ball and scored a touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. Those issues were fantastic of of both a base player. The early ones were great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dale, I was going to ask you, um, since you're like an early NAM guy, yeah. do you remember those some of those base shows before the base bash existed? Uh, yeah. Was, did, were you guys help responsible putting that on Base Frontiers? It used to be at that old hotel. Right. Um, we, you know what? We might have. Uh, that was like when it was not in Anaheim, it was in LA for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, once or twice it was in LA at the forum. Right. I remember that. Or, uh, it was Staples. Staples. Or Nick, the con- I'm sorry, right next to Staples, the convention center. Yeah, yeah. That was a and weird. It was, it was horrible, guys. That was weird. That was- I was working at Warwick that time. It's funny. You can get dealers um, to come from the Midwest or from snow to come to Anaheim. The family goes to Disneyland. They do business. It was great. At the time, L.A., was having some social issues and there was, you know, a lot of problems going, going on. So I remember the first day of the first NAM show at the convention center, LA convention center. Um, we were lucky enough. Warwick was on the aisle and you would, the big doors would open and, and they always, the tradition was Doc Severson and a high school band. I think the Hollywood high band would come a march down oh, the aisle and fanfare right behind them would be the audience the crowd. And I remember the doors fly open. You hear, you know, the classic trumpet of Doc Severson. Everyone comes through. No one was behind them. So they walk by. And I remember looking at like Dave Vincent from uh, Dean Markley, uh, not Dean Markley, uh, Dean Guitars. Mm. I look at him, my eyes really big. And then one guy came in. And I remember him just walking with the little guy that you were given, looking down, looking up. And I'm uh-huh. thinking, that poor guy is going to get hit so hard you know so we just we got out bases and we started jamming man we just wow just decided to have fun so wow that's great did uh john and tony did you guys come out to that la when they had it in it was my first one that was well past me before any of this stuff i think i was probably yeah i was la was my first one college i was in Wow. Um, I mean, I wasn't interested or, you know, I was kind of set with what I was doing. I didn't yeah. have to go. I already Man. had some deals in the works and so forth like that. But uh, the, I was invited, I was asked to go by Zahn. Oh, excellent. excellent. Emodulus, uh, Joe Zahn asked me to, to come. So wow. I did. And I'm like, eh, this is all right. <laughs> and then it was- Anaheim was like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah, it was yeah freaking horrible in LA that was a yeah. terrible and I remember going to like one of the base events out there and I thought you guys helped put it on or something mm-hmm. yeah we probably helped advertise it I know we didn't have any funds to be able to like buy in and sponsor but um but I believe so now it's funny of all the years I've gone to NAM and summer NAM uh I'm I'm in my high 30s um I've gone as uh, I worked for a music store so I went in 1985 as an employee that was a pretty decent thing, except everyone really was staring at your badge first. That was so I made I try to make yeah. an attempt not to look at badges when people come in, just to treat treat them as an individual, welcome into your in, home instead of qualifying. Let me qualify yeah. you to see if uh, yeah yeah. 
I went as a demonstrator, which was interesting. It was kind of fun. I did that a couple of years when I was a teacher at MI, a lot of companies would say, Hey, we're coming out. Is there anyone who could come, you know, demonstrate? And it was great. You got a pass, you went in. Um, and of course I've been a rep for many years, but I have to tell you going as the editor of a base magazine, you are the prettiest girl with the bar. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone wants to talk to you. Everyone I wants to schmooze. I had an overly inflated sense of self after that show. Wow. That's funny. What um what music store were you working in LA? Like Navy uh, no. or Oh yeah, I was born up in Chico, California. Okay, okay. Uh, when I graduated from high school, I worked at Music Pro and uh, it was a great store. Yeah. And uh, I, I you know it was great to grow up in Chico because that time Chico was kind of known as the party capital of the world. I mean Playboy magazine did calendars and stuff there. MTV actually rated Chico, I think twice. I mean, people can fact check me in the comments, wow. but I think twice they rated it as the party capital of the world. So you imagine as a gigging musician, oh. whenever there was any big college event, I usually could play two, sometimes three shows in one day Jeez. because you could play like an afternoon backyard party. I had, by the way, that's where I actually met, I think possibly the greatest bass tech I ever met was a guy from Chico who later became, I believe, an MMA, MMA fighter, but a guy named Mike Rose. Oh, my God. And um, Mike was a bass player, is a bass player. Okay. And I had two identical rigs. <laughs> and I had, um, I would play, he would set me up at the first gig. Mm -hmm. I would go play that gig. He would drive to my next gig, set that up. We would pass on the road. He would grab the first gig, go to the last gig. You know, and back oh, wow. then you could play, you could play till yeah. two or three in the morning, yeah. you know. So it was a cash cow. So I loved growing up in Chico. That's so. awesome. Oh my God. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> You're like Will Lee. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, dude. Will Lee had, had a tech that would go around yeah. New York and set his gear up. You know, the year before I went to MI, I had, you know, because we all back then, I don't know if it's still done with the young guys' day, but we had a book and you would always put the date of the gig oh. and you put your receipts that you had to expense. So you had like a, a catalog. So I had over 300 gigs in one year. So it was, it was, and that's where I cut my teeth and gave me yeah. the confidence to go to MI as a, to be a student. I felt like, okay, I think I've got a lot of my foundation now, but I'm missing key elements. I need to mm -hmm. learn theory. I need to be formally trained. And that's what, that's what prompted me to move down to, to Hollywood. That's amazing. Who were the, it was like Gary Willis, Scott, like who, Berlin, who, that was the, Dude. Hate, right? Yeah. 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 I went in 80, uh, 89. Nice. And it's never I, I can't imagine ever being like this so yeah you i had uh, on staff tim bogert yeah. jeff berlin gary willis steve bailey yeah. alexis sklarevsky who's Who, unbelievable yeah, player monster um putter smith now we're going oh, to the upright guy. yeah no putter yeah. smith genius uh bob magnuson one of the few guys i've ever become mm -hmm. friends with who's in the real book you know you wow. actually can see tunes That's by him right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah right so it was, and you could literally just sit in a room, just like the four of us. We could mm. sit and just chat with these guys. You know, Juan, uh, Juan Aldretti was on yeah. staff at that. So, Jeez. yeah. So, and guitar, I think like Joe Diorio was there. I, I think yeah. That was during that that time too. So I used yeah, to Paul Gilbert like, would come in whenever Mr. Yeah. Big wasn't, uh, you know, doing stuff. We had uh, a lot of. I mean, I'm gonna embarrass myself by not mentioning some of the great players. Um, but here's, it was a different vibe because at that time they didn't offer degrees. So you were basically going to a technical school sure. and the program <laughs> was a one-year technical school. Later on, you could go, you could stay on and do a extended study. Hmm. But when I went, it was one year. Wow. 
And it was such a commune. I mean, uh, there was a hundred bass players in my class. Uh, there was a thousand guitar players, I want to say. So we always got gigs. I mean, bass yeah. players were gigging crazy. <laughs> but um, you, like the lunch hall was connected to a big performance hall called P100. Mm-hmm. And it was very common. One thing that's jumping to mind, because you mentioned Joe DiOrio. Yeah. I was a teacher at this point. So I would go down a lot of times and sit with the bass students and just make sure I could I was also the counselor. So if someone was having trouble, I wanted to be aware of it. So I would try to go down and have lunch with them. As we're having lunch, you see the door open and, a, you know, cause we're inside a pretty dark event space. Mm-hmm. The door open, a shaft of light comes in. You look and you see two silhouettes come in. One turned out to be Joe DiOrio with Pat Matheny. Oh my God. And they walk up on stage and they literally, <sighs> Joe goes, Hey guys, I know it's lunch, but would you mind if I, I haven't seen Pat for a long time. We just want to jam. It was like, no, that's fine. That's yes, fine. Yeah, that's that's, that's cool. Yeah, go ahead. Oh. And they played for like two hours just to an audience of about 100 because as people heard it, people oh. started coming down. That happened all the time. Wow. You know? Wow. That's the That was the heyday for sure back then. I think so. That was the, I think so. I don't want to I don't want to no. play what they're doing now because yeah. they switched to a degree program. Yeah. And um, which is great because a lot of parents wouldn't let kids come to us because they weren't getting a BA or an AA. So now that's open. But because of that, you couldn't have people teach certain classes unless they had a degree. So automatically some teachers that were had like 40 hours a week were down to like eight hours of counseling time Mm. and they had to move on. So yeah, that was my favorite time. I'm so honored to have been part of that. Yeah, not to discredit now, just these legends were- It was different. It was a different time. It was a different time. Man, that's amazing. Yeah. So cool. Mm. So then from school, from doing all that, you, you started working, you did some marketing. So, and so how mm. did that go into kind of a, a music in the musical realm, I guess, in the musical right. manufacturer, but getting to, you know, work with these different companies and stuff. How did that, was that just kind of a natural progression or how did you get into that? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, kind of, mm-hmm. and the reason I'm being iffy is a weird thing happened. So uh, things were going great. I mean, I was working 40 to 50 hours to school. I had a couple bands going that we were doing like record showcases. I had a band named Ashen, which is A-S-H-E-N. Roy Ashen was a guitar player. Mm-hmm. We had some success in Europe with an album we put out. Things were going well. I was writing for Bass Player Magazine. Um, that same year that I'm thinking about, I was asked to be the music director for the Bass Player Fifth Anniversary Concert at NAM. So, you know, I mean, I got to get on stage and do the final jam. I mean, so amazing. So, unfortunately, during a rehearsal for one of my, for Ashen, I had a grand mal seizure. And so, um, in fact, based on the time they made the 911 call to the time that the paramedics got me, I'd been seizing for 15 minutes, which God. usually at that point, your heart fails because it was when they mean grand mal, it's highly demonstrative. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're locked up and your heart is going like a trip hammer. Mm. So I had to, um, we tried, uh, and by the way, at this time, I, uh, I watched your guys' podcast with Dino Monoxlis. Dino is my clo- closest non-blood brother. My mom calls herself Dino's West Coast mom. Nice. He was the best man at my first wedding. I don't blame him that it didn't work out. I don't think he had anything to do with it. At least that's the piece. that's what all the investigation proved. All right, okay. Love Dino, right? you know? sure. yeah. Dino, yeah. Dino's the best of us. Yeah. And um, so during this time, he was a student, and he um, he was helping me at gigs. 
And so I was on some medication, some pretty heavy anti-seizure medication, but I just got back on the horse. Okay. And we were doing a showcase at Madame Wong's. I remember. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. yeah. I know Madame Wong's. Yeah. yeah. So I was doing a showcase there, got through the entire, we were at Headliner, packed mm. house, really great. Tons of labels, representatives were there. And during the encore, I had my second seizure. And as soon as that happened, they scratched our names off the list. Even though I said, listen, I'm out of the band, get a new bass player. For some reason, that was just enough for them to say, no, we're going to take a pass. So I felt bad about that. But I realized I couldn't endanger the income of people. Like I couldn't go on a tour, have a Mm -hmm. seizure, and now the sound and lighting guys don't get paid. And so I decided I would shift more to education. MI was amazing. MI had the best health insurance. I had the best. They never found the cause of my seizures, but they found my triggers, which was just, all right, check this out, guys. When the guy tells you your seizures are caused because of malnourishment, sleep deprivation, and high levels of stress, that's a touring musician. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 100%. Wow. So I, I said, okay, I'm going to lean into education. Um, once again, my bass brothers and sisters, uh, Steve Bailey and Alexis Skorowski both referred me to Warner Brothers to do instructional videos. So I did the Ultimate Beginner Series for bass, um, two videos. And that, along with my transition from bass player to bass frontiers mm-hmm. and self-publishing a book, doing, uh, I started working as a clinician for a lot of companies. So I, for Warwick mainly, I would go to stores and what they liked, the way I tried to uniquely market myself mm-hmm. was it wouldn't just be a plain thing. I would do just like a class at MI. I'd have curriculum packet. It'd be one topic. We would dive deep. And at the end, everyone had homework that they could go home with. And that was really successful too. Yeah. Um, but it was by necessity. I had to figure out how's this going to work because mm-hmm. I couldn't tour anymore. It was kind of yeah. you know torn away from me. Um, and that's, well, and that honestly, check it out. So then when, um, the Northridge quake destroyed the house I was renting, um, I decided I can't live here. So my wife at the time, we moved to Arizona and, um, that's when I started getting more into publishing, moved back to Sacramento to, to be the editor of Base Frontiers. And when that, when I left that post, uh, I became a security guard. Uh, I used to do bodyguard work. My family's military and police. So uh, I was a training assistant for uh, the Calusa County SWAT team. So I decided, okay, God gave me two talents. I'm going to go with the other one for now. So I started security. And I remember getting a call from Dana B. Goods because I was a Warwick in Dorsey. Sure. And Dana B. Goods called me and said, listen, we need a, we need a sales rep. Have you ever, would you want to do that? Hmm. And I was like, yeah, I, I want to get back in the industry somehow. And that's how that, that was the catalyst that got me into repping, Sure. and all this that's yeah. amazing i mean the good people over there did to be good man. yeah <laughs> nice. yeah dane and katie are the best and they treat when he called me and said they had to lay me off but really they were limiting the eliminating the position it was i felt like i was being dumped but i had to console i mean the dumper was actually crying you know i don't want to say he was crying he was so upset and i'm like Dane, it's going to be cool. I understand because this is when the bubble burst sure. and, yeah. you know, the stock market crash and, and distributors, distributors are having a harder time. Or at that when time, year was this Dale? Um, let's see. That would have been 2000. And let's see, I've been with Aguilar for 11 years. So, so 2001. Eight, yeah. 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 
2001. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Or no, sorry, 2011. Eight. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because the housing market was like 09. That's when. Yeah, that's exactly oh. right. All that stuff. Yep. So. Yeah. Man. Wow. What a story. It, well, we did a podcast with Joe Hubbard. Yeah. And it re- kind of reminds me of that where Joe kind of quit and went into the the same thing, kind of the security. Doing all that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's yeah. That guy's amazing, man. Yeah. He blew Joe. us away. We call him the dad on air. Like, <laughs> everything he knows and everybody he knows and everything he knows. Uh, Joe's, yeah. I Joe think- Hubbard, yeah, is uh, he's one that more people need to know about, yeah. and uh, and yeah. his contribution to our family has to be highlighted. So I, I, by the way, thank you guys for doing that. Oh man, of course. To to an addition, I want to tell you, man. So in Northern California, much, much like Southern California, we're still pretty locked down and getting gigging isn't going to come back for a while. And um, it, I've had good days and bad days like you guys. Um, what I missed most, of course, performing, but it's the in-between times, the joking with guys during rehearsal, yeah. uh, you know, all that stuff. You guys doing Big Bottom podcasts gave me a facsimile of that and so you guys pulled me out of some pretty i was heading down i was i'd be depressed uh because i'm also really good friends with rodney mcgee and he is the funniest guy on the planet (laughs) he's basically a neighbor of mine he's awesome yeah he 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 helped me with my youtube channel giving me like stuff you can't (laughs) find online he would give me little tricks and things but uh, so, yeah, I want to thank you guys, because I know it was difficult for you guys to keep this going at times uh, with all the things going on in your lives. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this podcast is amazing because um, uh, it, it's it's filling a void because we are a social beast, not just bass players, musicians, yeah. bass players by large. Like, I, I think you guys will all agree. We all get referred gigs more from bass players than anyone else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, oh, yeah. we want everyone else to do well. If I can't do a gig, I really want to give it to Dino. Yeah. Um, and so being kind of robbed of that opportunity to regularly hang with each other, to go, to go to a bar and see one of your friends play, you know, it's tough. And so I really appreciate you guys doing this. Dale, I don't know if you know how this started before lockdown. Um, the three of us had like a running message going on text message that we had probably a year and a half, two years before lockdown. Like just think of it like the uh, Dale Titus Pete Hilton one that we used to have, but just a little more PC. <laughs> oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how bad that is because I'm not the most PC person on the planet. That one was rough. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we, we used to say like everything we're writing to each other, like other people would want to hear and know yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like yeah. bass player magazine in a small, 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 yeah. small subsection. I'm like, we would talk industry stuff, stuff yeah. all the time. I'm sorry, industry stuff. I'm I'm out of them, Ty. Excuse me. So, That's and it. we would just chat all the time. I'm like, and then when this hell happened, we're like, let's bring this in. Yeah. yeah. Let's invite our friends. Let's do this. Yeah. And it's key. It's key. I'm going to do more to promote it because I think. Thanks, man. I talked to you, Tony, at the NAM show, the last NAM show, that I was really concerned about some of the young bass players. Um, this is pre-COVID, obviously, because we are at a NAM show, but um, my daughter had danced in a show that was highlighting the high suicide rate of LGBT mm-hmm. teenagers. 
mm-hmm. that were going through high school or even middle school, not feeling part of a community, feeling that they were alone and ultimately taking their lives. So it was a fundraiser and it was great, but I watched it and I kept thinking, man, more and more high schoolers, are, high school administrations are taking out music programs. And if they leave them in, a lot of times, the best you can hope for is to play upright bass and just sight reading charts uh, or sight reading, not even charts. Yeah. And I started kind of doing a little research and sure enough, there's significant number of musicians because maybe they have long hair and maybe they like the dead or mm-hmm. they get teased because they don't like the current thing. And, you know, so looking into it, I found one of the most common comments from suicide survivors mm-hmm. is that they felt alone. Yeah. So I talked to Tony, I talked to everybody that I was going to put together this base channel, everything base. I was going to go with what I know, which is teaching and journalism. Sure. But ultimately, I wanted to create an environment, which you guys have done, so thank you, where someone who might feel alone, who got teased, who doesn't feel they have an outlet for their expression, sometimes they don't even feel supported by their parents because the parents don't think it's a reliable thing to do. Mm-hmm. But they can get on and laugh with you guys. They can like, um, you know, come on and post on any of my outlets or comment on a YouTube video. And we, you know, not even about what they're going through, but just saying, hey, I kind of like this band. I try to comment on everyone because That's if we can make people feel part of a community, especially during this time when no one can really get out and exercise their art, then I think we're doing a really good service. So yeah, very much so. I think that that's something, and I think, I I know it'll go on past the pandemic um, because you guys, I think you should never stop. I think this is great. (laughs) I I will. You heard it here, folks. Dale Titus approved. No, that, that, that means a lot, man. And, and, you know, we're, we're all pretty transparent. And I mean, when this thing, started i mean nobody knew like, i'm camouflaged right now look I, I am too. And hey, by the way john look i know I, i'm look. glad you got the memo look at all that pimping jeez i know we'll have to get him but yeah at the beginning it's like you know none of us really knew like okay you walk outside you come back in you're gonna die the next day like like severity yeah. was yeah really and it created a lot of fucking mental anguish and and yeah. just yeah and, and not being able to talk to people, be with your friends. I mean, I know I definitely turtled a, a bit, you know, everybody did. And it was sure. just fucking gnarly, man. It was a weird, yeah. bizarre, just such a weird thing. And and this definitely kept me going. Yeah. You know, just, and sometimes even, you know, Tony and John would, would definitely uh, attest to this, that sometimes I, you know, I definitely tend to kind of, go within and i'm like okay i need to just pull myself out and 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 this helps so you know uh, all three of us maybe not john so much but definitely steve and i had like times where like oh god you know um rough 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 mental just yeah and you know i i think the funniest thing because dale will know this because you know when when dale and i really got to know each other was in 2016 when um not a lot of people know that I that I did get the honor of working with Dale as a coworker at Aguilar for a couple of months, nice. but that was also right through my divorce. So Dale was like the big brother, just every time calling me in the morning, you know, and we would talk probably for hours on on stuff just to get stuff through, and then helping me through with all the growing pains and things like that and stuff. And um, so 
I joke with the fact that I got through all of that <laughs> so, so gracefully that going through COVID was just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I have yeah. to tell you, let's, let's make things a little lighthearted yes. for a moment. Here we go. Have you guys ever shared in a, a hotel room with John Moody? <laughs> I know where this is going. When John no, Moody but I would like I, 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 once I've crashed at John's room, I think once or oh. twice. When John gets up in the morning, his body pops like a Neil Peart drum solo. It is not one pop. He literally walks across and I thought he had bubble wrap taped to his shoes. It's his body putting itself to back together. It is the craziest thing, man. Oh my God, I love he it. Might be really? Wow. He's reptilian. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I've crashed on a couple of Tuesdays at John's place. Mm -hmm. Uh, that kind of thing yeah. we have a little routine dale we have a very strict routine, <laughs> very strict man routine. I, you know what we I, I i come in on tuesday we line our flights i pick up john at the airport he either comes with me to get the rental or i go back to the airport i get john we go down south we get burritos i go meet steve we go <laughs> we have it nice the next wednesday yep. we go to the gym we get cheap burritos at the at alberto's <laughs> <laughs> we have a, oh it's yeah, and I wouldn't change it for no. nothing. Fuck no. In the world, yes. I wouldn't change it. We had some of the best times, man. That was really fun, John. Really it, fun. So, John, is the is the coffee like oil lubricant? So the more you have, like, and then that just kind of helps lubricate. It, it certainly helps. That that okay, is okay. for sure. Yeah, I I don't know, and you know, it's it's funny because it is one of those things that as you get older and you crack your knuckles more, it gets easier yeah. to do it. Wow. So, but I do remember. I think it was one of the times. Um, it was when we were in New York for the holiday meetings. Yeah, and stuff that uh, you're like, yeah, it's time to get up. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I like sit up, and it was almost like an accordion. Just <laughs> and Dale just stopped. Was like, what? was that like do we need to call an ambulance because you just sound like you broke but and then i think i looked at him turned my neck and it was like one more <laughs> yeah and it's funny because uh so after he went uh left aguilar went back to jhs um we stayed in touch still do but mm -hmm. uh i mm -hmm. remember one morning i sent you a facebook message that said i had some rice krispies this morning thought of you missed you <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my, I did not know this about John Moody. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll have to hear. I, 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 I didn't hear it when I stayed actually, with man, that again. The big, one, the big ones right now are the ankles. Like I'll get up, walk around really? a little bit. You stop. Then you just kind of bend your ankles. You just hear. Oh. I'm like, ah, that's it. And then you just keep Listen, walking. He is, he's rhythmic in every aspect yeah. of his being. Rhythmic. Mm -hmm. Your body just still grooves. The, the crack, the snap crackle has right. a groove. Yeah. That's okay. awesome. We like you, John. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll keep John around for a while. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, that's how I found the right girl this time is that Jen cracks her knuckles and body probably about as much as I do. Like she'll that's look over, she'll just take her arms and just go, oh. And you're like, I'm like, nice. Uh, dude, I'm, uh, I should have prepared it. You guys might not know this, but I don't have any tattoos. But if I was to ever get a tattoo, I told John it was going to be a tramp stamp and he'd have to design it because I love his art. His art's phenomenal. Oh, it's, it, so, it's ridiculous. It's amazing. So he asked me what I wanted. And do you remember what I asked him for? Was it the pickle riding the unicorn? Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh, a man, pickle I, riding I, a unicorn. As I a tramp stamp. 
Yeah, I wanted. Yeah, I figured why not get yeah. the Ted Mosby tramp stamp. But, uh, oh my god! I like how this show is going like this. <laughs> was it, wait, wasn't his a butterfly? His was a butterfly. I think Mosby got this a butterfly. But I like Love the, that series. All right, let's let's uh, let's get back on track. So. No, that we're on. No, it's, no that's is, that's okay. More tattoos. I mean, I only have one, and it's hidden. No. <laughs> well, I I will never get a tattoo because I don't even like to wear the same shirt twice in a row. But uh, just to have John design me some art was, and, and I got to tell you, I will find it and at least text it oh, to you guys because oh, you have to see it. Please, it's absolutely. Just do gorgeous. what I do. Don't do don't do the stamp. Do it on your butt like I did, like the left. Okay. Butt. You have yeah. a, you have a tattoo on your ass. X X X. Uh, three X's on your ass. Three X's. Kiss kiss kiss. So, is that so what depending that when he spreads his cheeks, it's X X X O. Oh. It's, it's or or it's O X X X. It's open to interpretation. You wow. take it as you see fit. Speaking oh. of tattoos, if I ever got one, I would get one of this. I'm pointing at it. That clown. Oh, yeah. So what oh, the is clown. That? Your dad's clown. So my dad drew that like when he was in college, when he was super young. And oh. it's a pencil drawing of a clown. I would get it if I had one, but I don't. I'd get it right there. Anyways, oh, yeah. talk. That's what I would cool. get. And then something on my... And then... I'd have, and then I'd have Tony, no, no, no. I would have Tony do a line drawing, a stick figure, and then I'd get that as a tramp stamp. <laughs> there you go. From like super highbrow, like drawing <laughs> Picasso-esque, whatever fucking art. What to, you need I'm is really good a little at stick figure right at the spot it. where, you know, the cheeks start to form. This little uh, stick, stick figure going like this. Going, woo! <laughs> Goal or something. All right. Yeah. Some fifteen-year-old is gonna watch this and be like, "These guys are awesome," or "These guys are freaking smoking crack." Right? I'll take either one. Either one is good. Don't you care. Could do Steve. What? Totally serious. Leo Fender. Nah. Leo Fender one. That that actually would be a pretty cool tattoo. Yeah. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're like I work with it every day. I don't need to take it home. I don't need to take it home. Sorry. Yeah, well, I'm like so, you. I, I have. I'm only kidding. I have nothing. It's just because I. I don't like permanency on almost anything. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but they're cool. Johns are cool. Yeah. Badass tattoos, John. Yeah, John's got the yeah. nice thing actually. Fuck yeah. I'm fascinated by tattoos. We Me were too. at uh, a restaurant in Roseville, California. My wife and I were with some friends, and a lady came up, and her whole sleeve was Nightmare Before Christmas. Whoa. And I'd never seen. It was actually 3D. Wow. Where you look like, if you saw it at the right angle, mm -hmm. Jack's head actually would look like it came off of her skin. Oh, really cool. Yeah, so when I asked her about it, she says it was an L.A. Um, artist who had been on some of the shows, I guess the Ink Show, sure. but got tired of living down there and moved to Roseville. And so, you know, she got the whole sleeve. That is, it was insane. I admire the artwork, man. Oh, I mean, it's... Yeah, go ahead. It's high art. I mean, these guys, yes. it's ridiculous how good... It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, think back in the day, if like Zappa called one of us to come in to do a session, how, the, the nerves we'd have that what we would play was going to be on well, a Zappa recording. I think every, you know, uh, tattoo artist, that pressure's there. I'm committing mm -hmm. art, yeah. you know, onto skin forever. Forever. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I, I don't know, man. I don't think uh, there's enough Maylocks in the world for me to no. do that, job. <laughs> Tums, Maylocks, Imodium. <laughs> All that. Oh my god. I have to say something. I keep on looking at that dolphin in the background. Oh yeah. Woo! 
when I was younger, Man. I always was like fascinated by those bases. They always seem like mystically, you know. What year was that one? Uh, that's a uh, that's a ninth. Oh, and I'm sorry, no, it's a two thousand. Okay. That's a, oh wait, no, it can't be. Let me backtrack. Because mm -hmm. it was the first base I ever got from Warwick. So that has to be a ninety. That was a ninety-three, I believe. A ninety-three. Oh, man. Does it have the yeah. Augusta nut? Yeah. Oh yeah. fuck yes! That's the, the original. Wizard, dude. Yes. The original yeah, one absolutely. was the way. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. I don't. Maybe I talked to you, Dale. Yeah. But um, when I had my, uh, when I got my Warwick streamer from mm. Warwick, when I did, uh, when I was an oh. artist too, and it came with the, it came with the third version, yeah, which was way better than the second because the second was crap. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I called you guys and asked if you had any new old stock of the the original ones, yeah, or right. a six string broadneck, oh. and I think it was one of those. Uh, you're like, in fact, we're blowing them out right now because. <laughs> so, yeah, I got that. And so that was the first like mod I put on this instrument that, you know, I had just spent a ton of money on oh. brand new in endorsement instrument. First thing I do is I put the old uh, yeah. just nut on it. Oh, those are fantastic. Mm -hmm. I loved, I had a thing for the old thumb bases. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. That's a unicorn base of mine. I want an original oh, fucking thumb base. You breathe on it, goes grr, grr, grr. Hey, I have one. Now, this, oh. so there's a funny story. First of all, this is the only dolphin ever made in Taxi Cab Yellow. So then I put, I played this on my instructional videos just for the demos. Okay. Um, because it was a little, you know, weird to like do anything. Anyway, um, and it went really well. And then it was, I was in a couple, uh, you can see it kind of above it. There's an ad that was based by a magazine when I was okay. at Musician Institute. And this is my retirement. So they actually, uh, all the teachers signed it. But so I, I brought a lot of profile to the base, but they said, listen, we're only making one. So you remember years ago, pins were a big thing, like kids collected pins from mm -hmm. Disney and stuff. So Warwick made me a one time ever only Dude. yellow dolphin pin to match it. So I, I'll never get rid of that base, man. But the, if there's time, I'll tell you. Um, when I first came on with Warwick mm. as a player, uh, I was the head counselor of Musicians Institute. I was a teacher there. I was writing for the magazine. So Warwick said, "Listen, you know, we want you to have some bases. What do you want?" And I said, uh, "I want a thumb four neck through, thumb four neck through. You know, just gorgeous." And oh. you know, Jack Bruce <laughs> at the time. I remember him on the cover of Guitar World magazine with him and Jack Bruce. Uh, I mean, Jack Bruce and Billy Sheehan, but he had a thumb. Had I had to have that bass. And they said that, well, listen, we don't have that right now, but we just sent to BIT some bases to loan out, and there's a dolphin that's pretty special. We'd like you to try it. So I pulled it out, and it's yellow. And in my mind, I'm thinking beautiful Ovencole or Babinga yeah. or Tabrewood, mm -hmm. something gorgeous. I pull it out, it's yellow. And I was like, I called my rep at the time. I said, I don't know if this is really my vibe. And he's like, listen, play it. Take it for a while, play it. And sure enough, I really loved it. I thought, you know, and at that time, Stefan Lassard was really going crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, all right, I'll keep it. <clears throat> so then they said, well, do you need anything else? And I was, I was subbing. Occasionally, I would sub for teachers that got cut in traffic and stuff. So I said, well, I need a five string. And they said, well, what would you like? I said, well, uh, thumb five neck through would be pretty sweet and they said okay i get a box like a week later and it was a streamer stage one mm. um which is a super nice five string yep. great bait and and it was least natural 
but it wasn't my dream base. And so this kind of went on. I'll kind of cut to chase. But every time they'd say, you know, hey, we see your. I was on HBO and they said, hey, you know, just for one like news episode. And they said, do you want a base? I said, a thumb for neck And they'd send something else. So finally, <laughs> finally, um, I'm getting married to my wife, Corey. And it's the year 2000. And they had just, the year pri- previous, Dana Begins had hired a employee. And they said, listen, you know, uh, he was in marketing. And they said, well, you know, everyone should have what you're marketing. You should get you to know it. So what would you like? And he says, well, I'll just go out and pick something. He came back with a thumb for neck through. And I was, it was a post NAM meeting. And I, I just took my, threw it on the ground. I'm like, I can't believe, you know, and so, but I was being silly because yeah. uh, I didn't really need new gear because I had a lot of bases. I wasn't, you know, I was a rep now. I wasn't playing as much. So then for my, my wedding, they gave me a thumb for neck through 2000. And on the uh, 12th fret, it says, thanks, Dale from Warwick. So it was just absolutely. So it is my, that's that's what I play. I don't play it on the everything base stuff because there's no fret markers. Okay. So guys were wow. getting right. lost sure. when I would say, you know, people kept saying, I don't know where you are. So I use the dolphin for all the videos. So that's awesome. Because it's got the dolphins. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, thumb, that, for some reason, that thumb, it's just, Freaking with the anonchial, is that how I, am I pronouncing it correctly? Ovencol, like Ovencol, Bubinga. Yeah. yeah. And, then they, and then they made mm. some with, um, not the natural, but they made some with gloss finishes. And I just felt. Oh, like, yeah. They, they started customizing them. Yeah. Yeah. Just, Mine's the uh, Bubinga body with the Wenge neck. Wenge neck. Nice. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, one day I will have one. There's I uh I always uh look on every other day I'm on um what is it the low end Brian Barrett's shop yeah. used bases because he's a buddy of mine so yeah. I'm always looking there and if something comes up I'm like hey dude how about a trade for you know I just hey what's up with this thing is it you know and there's one I think it might be a dolphin or it's a streamer but it ha- it it actually has Ken Smith humbuckers so it's kind of interesting kind of, yeah kind of interesting but I'm like Ooh. uh I really want a thumb. I want a thumb for it with the just the nut. That's one of yeah. my unicorn bases. It's so nice to have a unicorn. I don't have any unicorns anymore, man. I don't you don't? Have... No, I don't. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I have a few. <laughs> <laughs> I really you don't. Freaking unicorn base. How about you, Dale? Anything that kind of sticks out? You're like, ah, oh. like I, I, we have gear. I mean, we can all get, but anything that just ah. Oh. Yeah. There's one base. Uh, so I'm friends with uh, Bob Madsen, who's the bass player for Grafenberg Disciples. He also is the owner of Highlander Records. Okay. He lives not too far from me. Mm-hmm. He He's kind of also a bass collector. And he has a McElroy 7-string that uh, I love Brady McElroy. I think Brady mm-hmm. is one of the, I mean, you and you guys have talked to some of my favorite builders. I mean, Devin yeah. is absolutely. He's killing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Devin's work is great. I put Brady right up there. McElroy bases yes. outstanding. Mr. Hilton, who we discussed, yeah. um, I think all these guys. Brady's are, a good player too. He's 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 an excellent player as well. Oh my gosh, he can actually. I mean, he that whole the uh, I, I can still remember it. He he posted on Facebook him playing mm-hmm. the Ascent of Many. I believe is the solo piece. Mm-hmm. If you guys look at it, like I'll search YouTube for okay. the Ascent of Many, I think it's called. But Ascent Brady McElroy, you'll mm-hmm. get it. It blew my mind, um, and I'm not. Listen, I was a four string player for most of my life. Sure. I, I, I love, four. you know, I just, I just love it. I still gravitate towards it. But I started playing in churches, and everything had a low B. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I got from Bob. I actually got, and I'm going to butcher the name. So please, anyone in the comments, <laughs> try to give me the phonetic spelling for it. But it's Marushizik. 
Um, they're at, they come public oh. piece. Oh. Public piece is the damn booth. Yeah, from and, Poland. Yeah. yeah, from Poland. They look and, great. Oh my gosh, this five yeah. string was a similar situation. I was at his uh, studio. We were just talking as friends. Mm -hmm. He's like, hey, play this. And I played it and um, really loved it. And he's like, well, listen, I, I have too many bases. You want to buy it? And at the time I was like, I, you know, we're trying to save up for our daughter to go to Chapman, one of the top 100 most expensive schools in the nation. <laughs> so I'm like, no, I can't really. But then as I thought about it, and I was helping him out on a couple of things, but nothing officially, but I was just trying to help him out with his, uh, some of his album launches. So uh, I called him back because I realized that, man, the low B is just a necessity. Plus, I figured it, I'm 54 years old, so I should start really exploring, you know, beyond the four strings. So I, uh, I, uh, I, you know, called him up, said, yeah, well, what would you sell? And, he's, and he gave me an amazing price, like nice. not even what he paid for it. Um, and I said, okay, well, I'll sell a base and then, you know, uh, but I'm going to need to probably make payments. He's like, no problem. And, um, and then some things happened and I called him and said, listen, I'm, and he goes, listen, pay me when you can. Don't, don't worry about it. So finally we refied the house. I had enough money to write him the final check. We met for dinner and it was actually the beginning of COVID. We actually met when you could still eat outside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we met at this kind of midway point, my wife and his wife are friends. So we sat down and I go, hey, oh, by the way, and I handed him this check. He goes, oh, that's awesome. And then tore it up and said, no, no, you paid in full. So Bob gave me a dream base for very little amount of money. Oh. Um, but uh, yeah, that seven string McElroy, because yeah. um, uh. a lot of times in the last minute, you'll show up to play a church gig and there'll be no guitar player. Mm -hmm. And yeah. since I am a pedal freak, I thought <laughs> opportunity. Mm -hmm. that i could throw on a little bit of overdrive a little bit of delay my little you know wah sound and maybe i could grab some of those melodies for him so dude so that's that's a low b with a high c yeah okay so you've got both you got all yeah oh that's very yeah. cool are you doing are you doing much recording like home remote recording and stuff you know, I haven't been asked to actually remote. Uh, I was a Cubase guy. I know you guys are, what, yeah, you guys like Logic or Pro Tools? I like Logic. I'm, Logic yeah. is... Luna. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Cubase, because the owner of Danny B. Goods was, he actually is a great engineer. Not a lot of people wow. know this. And he um, yeah. he uh, used Cubase. So when I was still with uh, Danny B. Goods, they wanted me to do like media recordings for like hold music and offer it sure. to dealers where we customized it. Mm -hmm. Um and do like, hey, this is the new thumb, you know, uh, limited edition 2004. And I play it while the whole music. So he said, listen, get Cubase. And when I did a little bit of searching, they said this learning curve on Cubase was like the hardest in the industry. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, you know, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. But Dane was like, I'll be there for you. So I set up a computer. He got me all hooked up. Uh, Greg Ondo. I don't know if you guys know Greg, who works for, um, he basically is Mr. Cubase. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, he would go to like Michael Jackson sessions and make sure oh. the Cubase was working. I mean, he's a genius. <laughs> anyway, he was a big help. Um, so I was getting that all rolling and then had an absolute computer. Mm. I had a computer meltdown, like fried motherboard, lost data. This is pre-cloud storage. Sure. Um, so I lost a lot of stuff there. So I'm kind of ramping up to get back in, but I don't think I'll go Cubase. I, I don't think it's the way for me, I'm probably going to go with one of the two that you guys use. I, I listened to the podcast of you talking with Dino about it, and it really got me kind of thinking that, that you know, logic seems very 
easy to use. Well, it so. depends. Yeah, it's super intuitive. But you know, I have a lot of buddies that I have buddies that use Cubase also. They're PC. Yeah. Are you PC or Mac? I'm PC. You're PC. Yeah. So that yeah. So, but Cubase is great. I have a couple of buddies mm -hmm. that swear by it, and I mean, you know, it's it's all poop in, poop out, man. So whatever. <laughs> I mean, if you're playing shit in, it's going to be shitty out, no matter how clean your ADDA converters are. It doesn't freaking matter. Yeah. But yeah, and it all depends. Like logic just seems logical to me where Pro Tools seems like a foreign language. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I just, so, I don't know. You just kind of have to see what kind of works for you, you know? So yeah, if you're super computer savvy, then Pro Tools might be good for you, you know? Because it just doesn't. My brain doesn't be quick with all the shortcuts than Pro Tools. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, you know, in the short term, because, you know, trying to get, improve the audio of my uh, YouTube channel, I just bought a Tascam digital thing that I run nice. my audio. I run everything in. Then later I can take it off of there, mix sure. it and tweak it. Perfect. So that was my stopgap because I could get in pretty cheap and I needed something I could move around the house mm -hmm. and take over. Like it's a lot easier than moving my you know, desktop at the time. So, Your rig. so, uh, yeah, so I'm enjoying that, you That's know, and, cool. and, uh, but I, I want to get back into, you get a little spoiled, man. Cause I cut my teeth, yeah. um, in the studio back in tape days. Yeah. Um, so oh, yeah. when, um, I have a really, yeah. So, um, when, uh, I started playing bass, I was actually, um, a guitar player. I was really, I have tapes to prove, but I was the world's worst guitar player. And I was in a metal band in the early eighties. And our bass player just left. And so, you know, he had other things. His priorities changed. Mm -hmm. But we had a gig in one week. So we had two guitar players. I look at the other guy. I'm like, all right, I'll play this. So I grabbed the bass and went home. And that night, I could never play a guitar solo mm -hmm. note for note. It just wasn't in my, I didn't feel it. I loved rhythm guitar. Sure. But anytime I felt like I went to the lead, I felt like all everything just fell out of the music. So I was, I was struggling. And Eddie Van Halen was on the scene. And if you weren't Eddie, you were nothing. So... So I go home and I love Maiden. I love Iron Maiden. Dude. And so I picked up, uh, I picked yeah. up the bass, went home, put on Killers, and I could play most of it. And I was like, wait a minute, uh, th this is different. I could actually, I could hear it, and I could play, I could find it. So a week later, I play a gig with a bass solo, an unaccompanied bass solo, one week into the bass, wow. playing with my fingers too, which I, I was swore I was not going to play with a pick, even though I was a guitar player I did. And on that gig. There was a, a band saw me and said, hey, we need a bass player. We have, you know, three, four nights a week. You could be making like at that time, you know, I could make like 450, 500 bucks a week. And that was like insane, you know. And so I was like, yeah. So I went home. I told my mom, man, the music gig is actually kind of easy. I mean, I, I, you know, but shortly thereafter, I actually got asked to be the house bassist for Mother's Recording Studio in Paradise, California with the great David Groves now out in Nashville. Wow. And he literally, because I was playing in this jazz fusion type trio kind mm -hmm. of, we were a jam band, but we were playing lots in Chico. And he saw me and he's like, listen, I need a bass player that every day can come in. And whether it's a TV commercial 15 mm -hmm. second thing or someone's album, you know, can you do it? And I was like, yeah, all right. But I, I could barely read. I mean, I played trumpet as a kid, so I could read treble clef a little bit. Um, but that was all tape. And man, that improved my playing so fast because punching in and out was not as surgical as it is now yeah and they would i remember the first session i did i did my track and we went in and they took all the other tracks down and left me exposed naked and i could hear all the string noise everything 
So that next morning, I worked at a guitar shop. So that next morning, I went and bought a Yamaha MT44D home recording studio. That was all one unit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just recorded everything. I recorded me playing scales. I record whatever I was doing. I recorded and went back and listened. And I tell you, anyone listening to this podcast who's a young player, now it's so easy. Just take your phone, do Mm -hmm. a voice memo, play, but listen for not only time fluctuations. Listen, are you misspreading? Is it always the same note? Stop. Look at what you're doing. Slow it down. Figure out Mm -hmm. your mechanics. You vacuum clean your stuff like that. And then you'll be a first call guy later on as you get more developed because they're not going to have to do much with you. You know, I was actually um, had the nickname in Los Angeles as one take Jake. I would go into sessions and I got lucky because at that point I could read and I could go in. And at the time, the stuff was pretty, you know, I wasn't being asked to do cartoon charts, which are the worst. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And so uh, and I really credit that to my early days of being embarrassed at Mother's Recording Studio. And hearing all the warts and hairs on my baseline, you know? Wow. So. That's amazing. Well, yeah. I, I mean, it was fate, man. You, you mm-hmm. Somehow that instrument fell into your lap and you, and that was it. That yeah. was it. That's so cool. I always say two things make you grow up really fast. <clears throat> Recording regularly and going on the road. Oh. Yeah. 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 That, I love- that expedites everything. Your guys' gig bag uh, uh, or, uh, episode was mm-hmm. great because you were reinforcing what I think young players need to know is you got to be prepared. Uh, like the fact that like, oh. I have two cables. Yeah, I have duplicates of everything. And if I have batteries, I have extra batteries. Yeah. Um, and I think that was really an educational part that you did, which was also hilarious. I laughed my ass. Off. I was driving to my mom's <laughs> to up in Durham, listening to you guys crying laughing because i mean you guys swear you guys are brothers the way you treat each other is so great right <laughs> no one gets a pass no, no one gets a pass no, no never it's zero <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it's zero. Be. but yeah. but you know you should and, see what happens in the text oh no, my god yeah well and then the teaser because you guys always end by saying okay well we're gonna stop recording but we're gonna talk for all like oh, i want to know <laughs> no we need a little mystery we stop okay. it and then we, you know. Yeah, no one gets to know what happens in the green no. room. But, <laughs> yeah, but but Dale, you bring up a good point too. Is like this is a lot of your tone. Yeah, and you need to work on. And all of us have discussed it. You know, it's yeah, it's not. I mean, you should be able to plug into wherever you are, and you have your sound. Yeah, and and that takes a lot of time to work on, work on. Like you were saying, like. Recording, listening to yourself, listening to yourself sound like complete shit and then yeah. going, okay, I need to do this. I need to change this. So that's important, you know, and, and um, it, it just takes time. You just have to do yeah. it over and over. Mm-hmm. It's the 10,000 hour rule, you know, yeah, with anything, but a lot you know, of it is here. And really, like you say, develop a little bit of thick skin, but don't like, like listen to the details. Yeah. Like, yeah. um, what does it say good good enough is the enemy of perfect or something like that it's like yeah that's good enough well you'll never be better i mean you know yeah so but don't beat yourself up yeah. i love what i studied privately with Stuart ham for a couple times a couple lessons and it was awesome and he said something because i was going through mi okay at the time as a student which is hard it's yeah. you know they're uh 10 hour days of class a lot of times and then you had your stuff in the evenings. You had to work out your ensembles and stuff. Yeah. And at one point, he asked Stu asked me to play something, and I tried. And we actually, I went in thinking he was going to work on tapping, slapping. We worked on Miles Davis kind of blue. Nice. We worked. I mean, we worked on so what. We worked. On, he 
worked on solo phrasing. So he asked me to play something and I made a big mistake and it was our first lesson. So I started, he could see I was locking up. I was like so embarrassed. I made a yeah. mistake. He said, listen, there's no mistake you can make that I haven't made. And that like really calmed me down because yeah. we have a tendency to put these players on pedestals mm -hmm. that they're perfect and we can't live up to that. But when he said, listen, every mistake you're going to make, we all make. Willis made, Bailey made, Jeff Berlin made. We all make them. It's just be better than it. You know, don't stop. Keep trying. And he was real big on ask questions. Mm -hmm. And now with, you know, you guys being available for people to ask in comments, all the resources, uh, a player off in a town with no music store, with no music scene, but they are called to the passion of the bass, they can reach out. I know you guys would re respond to any comment. I'm working on this song. I don't know what suggestion. Why is my B string buzzing at the fifth fret? You guys could at least get them started. And that's so great, man. That's cool. And so everyone ask questions. Yeah. Because you'll get through that plateau and it's so great on the other side of the plateau. Yeah. Speaking of that, Steve, I fixed the uh, GNL today. Remember how I said there was some buzzing from the tuners? Oh yeah, you fixed it. Oh, I fixed okay, good. It. What was it? Uh, there was just, it, it was weird. Cause yeah, well, Steve sent me a bass and he's like, dude, they said it's, it's tagged as unplayable. I don't know what it's talking about. And so I, you know, I played it for a couple of days. I switched strings and then suddenly there's all these crazy overtones. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is it. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, and I started as I'm, I just start hammering you know, open strings start going like this on the tuner. As soon as I hit the yep. D tuner, stops. Oh. Then I wiggle it, I'm like, oh. Then I hit the G string. There's still another one, and so the G string as well. The G string was the the one that was really yeah. kind of bad. But yeah. I had a couple extra tuners anyway, so I'm just like, oh, I'll just swap those out, and yeah. we are good. Nice. I was gonna nice. Say, it's like any manufacturer, like Warwick or somebody, would send something to a dealer. The dealer says, oh, there's something wrong with They send it back. And you're like, well, whatever. We'll send you a new one. And you're like, nothing wrong with this. So right. what I do is I have a few instruments that are kind of, we, we call them the village bicycles. So they, yeah. you know, artists can come in, take them out. They play them, gig them. Either, you know, and they can keep them, you know, or whatever. Get them at a super cheap price. Or they just go, or they come back and, you know, they're, they're kind of loners. And this was, mm -hmm. I just kind of revived it. I was like, man, I, I don't see anything wrong with this. John needed something for GHS five string and himself. I'm like, dude, we'll send it out to you, man. And mm -hmm. what a, it was one of those that I was like, dude, if you find anything wrong with it, like, let me know. We'll you know, send it back, whatever. But that was it. Just a little tuner kind of, you know, the clover leaf gets loose yep. and yeah. rattling. So yeah, well, good. Yay. Fixed. Village nice. bicycle fixed. Village bicycle Yeah, It was funny when you were saying about like, it's all in your hands. Yeah. I remember sitting... Uh, I did a clinic in Seattle and E. Pure. Do you know, must know E, the Bartolini rep? I love E. I took him to Germany to tour the Warwick factory. Oh. So Jeez. it was E, myself, and Sean Fairchild. Yeah. I don't know if you know Sean, but he's a Seattle guy that's, you know, yeah. Yeah. he's getting a little more popular. We literally passed around a handful of, just the three of us, passed around a handful of bases. And it sounded different, radically different between them. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you could hear the player in each one. It's know? amazing. It's true. And do you guys remember? Uh, well, I don't know if anyone's quite old enough, but um, when Eddie was first on the scene, his brown sound, that guitar sound, uh, that tone 
shook the industry because prior to that a lot of the guitar players would have a real high sustaining kind of almost scratchy guitar sound yeah. here eddie comes with this beautiful warm sound so i remember reading in guitar player magazine an interview with ted nugent and he said that this album you know van halen one comes out and he's like i gotta play through that tone i have to play through that tone yeah. so he got very excited called his manager his manager arranged it that when they were Van Halen came through. I think they were playing the Great Western Forum and Ted was in LA. They arranged to go to soundcheck and, and Eddie was like super excited to meet him. <laughs> so so Eddie's like, yeah, come on down. So Ted's like, man, I went down there and and he's like, I heard what you want to play through my rig. I've got everything. Here's my guitar. Here's the picks I use. Here's my cable. You, you got everything. My tech is here. If you want anything changed. He's like, no, I want the Brown sound. So Ted says, man, I felt like I just had, you know, he puts it on. He's like, here it is. And I played a chord and I sounded like Ted Nugent. And he was like, <laughs> wow. And he's, for him, that, and that printed on my brain. Yeah. But he made a distinction. And, and I think the distinction is, you know, yes, this is the origin of our tone. And we, we then can color it. We can then do whatever we want with it. But we can't expect the gear to fix it. And yeah. so yeah. that's why, like, I do love really like i i believe a long time ago man before i even went to la mm -hmm. i i heard some guy on tv say if you buy quality you'll end up spending less in the long run because you want to and he wasn't even talking about he was talking about i want to say cars yeah. but he was saying yeah. and it was like a consumer ports thing on 60 minutes and he was saying yeah. like if you buy quality now you won't have to like do so many repairs and you won't have to replace the cars soon yeah. and i took that to mean like man whenever i buy gear i'm just going to buy the best i can afford yeah. And that has done me well, but I can't expect that to fix sloppy technique or right. to maybe, yeah. maybe I'm really inconsistent. Like Steve Bailey worked on us on being really consistent in our dynamics. Mm -hmm. He would bring in a, U, uh, like the old UV meter that he had yeah. made with an in and an out. You would plug your bass in, he'd go out into an amp and he'd say, I want you to play eighth notes and I want you to keep the needle at the same spot. Whoa. And so we would sit there and try and, and, and then he would say, okay, now play a scale. And we do that. But now look, when you went to the lower strings, that needle went nuts. Yeah. So he really worked on us on being consistent. Yeah. So, and I think now super simple, there's so many devices on a iPad or a phone, or even if you're lucky enough to have recording software, you can just sit and watch that ladder hmm. and go, okay, I'm really consistent. Cause if you can compress less, I think you have a better tone. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's great. <laughs> I'm a compression freak. Oh, I actually have I have compression on, but it's only like three to one. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. I I play ridiculously hard, so you know. Yeah, but you know what? I watched your live stream from the Nam show that you did at the the bass hang thing, mm -hmm. and I was surprised when I heard you say on a previous uh, podcast that you play with a really hard tech technique because you're so nimble. Like your lines like you don't ride the e like and just you know power it out which is great love love the guys do that i was why i mean i'm thinking back at some of the lines and stuff you were playing it seems difficult for me to think of having a really hard right hand technique and being that nimble so hats off to you brother you, you know what it was it was like between 16 to like 20 i think i played about six hours a day yeah yeah Oh, I shouldn't say play. I play. I, I practiced. Yeah. I had some really good teaching. I went to Berkeley, dropped out, and said, "F this! I'm going to go study harder, and do more." And you know, I, I studied with some 
you know, with some private instructors and did my thing and really focused on technique, the real book and theory. And, you know, I've got a timing and feel and I didn't really think about like playing soft. I just did what I thought I had to do. So I got my nimbleness by just, you know, playing. I would, I did this really weird thing. I would pick a tune in the real book, play it through, use an old school metronome and then, okay, now I'm going to do it with an inversion. And I'm going to do everything in the first inversion, second inversion, third inversion. And the next thing you know, I'm like, oh, it's three and a half hours later, you know? And my mom's knocking on the door. Hey, do you want to eat? <laughs> and I, yeah, so that's okay. all I did. That's like a flow state, you know? Yeah. So in that thing, you know? You know, so- Willis, yeah. Gary Willis freaked me out because I was having trouble with like bebop heads. Mm-hmm. They're so... You know, because if they're written on piano or sax, they have intervallic jumps that are hard for a string instrument sometimes to do in the right in the same octaves and, and keep yep. keep it uh, juxtaposed. And I, w- I went to Gary Willis's open counseling, who I think is one of the most articulate players I've ever been part of. Yeah. And I just asked him, I said, man, I'm struggling. He goes, well, play it for me. And I started playing it. And because my background was metal, I was playing with the, the claw fingers of death. <laughs> um, all hail Steve Harris. Yes. Um, yes. And then... Um, uh, so uh will is like have you thought about lightening your technique up and i was like well i don't know and he's like i think it'll extend your your career because if you keep playing that hard you could develop issues so anyway he reached over and i learned forget this he goes this is how hard i play and i had my hand out my he goes give me your arm and he went over and he did this and i barely felt his fingers on my and so he goes you know you don't have to be that light because you know he has the ramp system yeah. So his fingers can't, yeah, yeah, he can't really dig in anyway. His fingers kind of glide over. So I, he gave me the suggestion of cranking my amp up louder. So it forces me to kind of out of the habit because, you know, I would start playing light and then I get into it and dig in. So I tried that and I don't, I'm still not as light as him. I would say, honestly, Steve, watching some of your product demos, I think you and I have very similar right-handed techniques. Okay. Yeah. You know, we're not overly light, but I don't think we're really... Because if you can watch when you're playing, your string isn't bending its path very much. Yeah. But I like to dig in a little bit, you know, it just depends. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Ever watch Ray Rondu? Like Ray yeah, Rondu, Ray. man. Ray, but like this big looking Viking guy, you know what I yeah. mean? He plays uber control right hand. Yeah. Yeah. Uber control. I knew him before he got muscles. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Before he started lifting. Yeah, man. I mean, wow. we, we, we met up at uh, the base place in Arizona. Just quit oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and I, I couldn't believe him. He comes in and he's, you know, was, you know like, whoa, Ray. <laughs> so, he's a great player. He's yeah. absolutely a great player. Yeah. Super nice guy, man. Great guy. I love Ray. Another guy that supports other bass players. Yes. Really wishes the way. And you well, find that for the most part. Right there. Right there. Kudos, yes. Ray. Right there, man. Yeah. Got the swag. Nice. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome, man. But I, I, it's amazing, Dale. Like you've really, it's awesome hearing the history and you've been involved with a lot of this history. So it, it, it's rad, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm learning a lot and it's awesome. I, I, I love this industry. So I love yeah. this community. Uh, it's close knit too, man. It's like one degree yeah. separation. All, you know, it's crazy. Pretty. And insane. everyone with a few exceptions, <laughs> everyone wants everyone to succeed. Yes. 
And we, everyone is cool, <laughs> with a few exceptions. Everyone, yeah, most. I'm right cool. here, guys. Oh shit! <laughs> we didn't mute him. Wait, damn it! Wait a second. <laughs> no, it's so funny it's because when you look like in base builders, um, you know all these guys. You you just see like you see Devin post a picture of base, and you see all the other builders going, "Wow, that's ace, yep. that's great." Yeah. Um, there's one base builder that's a little toxic, and and occasionally Tony will have a sneeze, and he'll say his name um behind the sneeze in one episode you, oh, i'll just yes. say it right now fuck that guy <laughs> yes and smith i'm saying this live i don't care who sees this oh uh, yes he makes a decent product for, for a play john's looking away saying oh jesus he's not making him anymore kevin uh brubaker who, who's amazing who, yeah, and no. now other end of the spectrum yes. kudos kevin's fucking awesome yeah yeah awesome guy it's great good. builder, great guy, whatever. Fucking Smith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here, folks. No, but yeah. No, but but it's 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 a truly pretty amazing community, man. And yeah. and your history, I mean Aguilar, you and now you've been with Aguilar for This will be my eleventh year. Okay. I mean, they came out, I mean they so obviously SWR. Yeah. Like that kind of changed everything. Like that that was just the company, like, whoa. Actual real bass amps for real bass players. You got Marcus playing them, but Aguilar has man that they've got this huge history. I mean, for me, the DB750 is one of the best heads ever, best yeah. ever. That first iteration of it with a DB410. I mean, they, you know, they came out with some ground breaking stuff, you know, and they still do. I, I, I nothing but respect, man. That's it's a you know, company. It is. I played. I actually owned Aguilar before they hired me, wow. and. Um, so I can honestly say that I felt the same way. I just felt that there was a really consistency in their quality. And uh, But what I learned is Dave Boonshaft has amazing ears. He hears wow. details. He actually trained me. When you know, I only go out there a couple times a year. And if I was lucky enough to go out when they were doing product development, he would say, hey, play this. And, and he'd give me a bass with maybe as a new pickup. And he'd go, now, do you hear? It's falling. I'm not getting the entire series of overtones. Wow. And I'd be like, sounds pretty good to me. But then you don't want to be the one guy in the room that doesn't see the deer in the forest where everyone's like, oh, look at the deer. And you're like, uh, nope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, but then he started, like, I started asking questions. Once again, don't know, ask questions. And he really, his ear is unbelievable. And he also, he he will release it when it's right. There were times when people, you know, like, even me on the sales staff, guys, they're asking for this. I need this. And this, he's like, it'll be there when it's right. Yeah. And so we have had no, I don't, we've had no limits. Things have gone yeah. really well. I, 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 Dave and Dave, the two Daves are yeah. Yeah, yeah. amazing guys. They're great to work for. And it's nice to know that when you sell something, it's not going to come back broken. You know, mm. it, it, the, the, the quality assurance, what, what Aguilar B stocks, by the way, for yeah. pedals is sometimes like the lettering on a pedal will not be evenly have the same eggshell finish and you'll look and you'll go oh yeah the l and filter twin is blurry no that's i I think my filter twin had a very slight pockmark on the bottom corner yeah or something wow and all of my pedal board is b-stock and no one can find the what makes it a b-stock yeah so i am the one guy in this crew that is not a pedal board guy but the one pedal that I do have and I love. Yes. 
my favorite it's a octave. It's a freaking optimizer, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's yeah. it. Nothing else. I don't like any other pedals. I love how Steve holds one pedal. Yes, that's what I need. Pedal. Let me get my pedal board up. Here. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Oh. That's it right there, dude. I love this pedal. I love it. Wait, I, I, I want to get you. I want to get don't make you. Me do it. Don't make me do it. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Oh. Dale says something. Hold on. Stop. I want to get okay. you a filter twin. And the reason why, and we'll work this out. Here's okay. the reason why. When I, and my wife knows it, when I am in a weird state of mind, I need to kind of flush out bad energy. I sure. put on, and, and John knows this because I did it at NAMM. You put on the Octaver, Octimizer, and you put on the filter twin and dial it in and you get this analog synth bass sound like a mutron thing right yes and yes. but it's clean like your low end is exactly there really and, uh, when uh, covid mm -hmm. kind of first started in my neighborhood there was a lot of depression i was depressed everyone's depressed yeah. so i one day i rolled my rig out to okay. the driveway and i set up with all my pedals and my loopers and i just started playing and people started coming out with lawn chairs and sitting and the one clip my wife shot oh, that cool. put up was me playing through a filter tone with optimizer and you, the comments are funny. It's like, what's that synth pedal? No, it's just these two pedals. So yep. we'll, we'll have to hook up later. I'll make sure I can get you one. All right, I'd like, uh, maybe I will change my mind. I'll just have a little mini pedal board that has the filter. It's a, it's a gateway yeah. drug. It's a gateway drug. It's a gateway I just went by. <laughs> you heard it here. First time, yeah. yeah. But okay, all right. Uh, I'll, try, I'll give it a shot. I'll have some fun all with right. them. But yeah, I love cool. that pedal. Anyway, all the cool kids are doing it, Steve. <laughs> I mean, I just re-upped my small pedal board, so yeah, yeah. Now, John, you're gonna go for a mid-size, right? Is that or no? You're gonna go for a mega board. What was your deal? You you had the small and the big, but I heard mm -hmm. on one of the podcasts you're gonna do something new. What was that? Well, what I did was I revamped the small one. Okay. Nice. Because I went to a uh, even size H9. <laughs> Okay. For all the effects. Yeah. Into an AMT electronics A base tube pre into what Tony's got up there, the uh, Neve RNDI DI box. I want to get Tony, it. that's sexy. That but, put that down. You're gonna have to make this an adult video. Put that down. That's sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I don't use them, that is that's a good looking board. These guys I love yeah. I love pedals, man. I don't know. And I I just I don't know, man. And and you know, maybe I'm going to end up making like soundscapes like Gabe from The Office. I don't know. Maybe uh, that's all I'll do. But, <laughs> yes. But, but I love, I don't know, man. It's just, and especially, you know, because I do solo clinics, I do solo yeah. shows. And if, and my, my feeling is I want to give people, especially with looping, every track's got to have its own character. Sure. So that it just doesn't sound like me playing a lot of notes at once. So, yeah. and I have a piccolo, I have a mm -hmm. Corvette piccolo bass that's short scale. So I do a lot of my guitar stuff on that. Um, so I love, and pedals just, man, they can change my mood. I know yeah. you guys know, you know, mm -hmm. like just something, or sometimes it'll spur creativity. I don't know, Tony, if you or John, you get a new pedal and sometimes a new idea comes out. You know, and I've you written songs it. based on that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, for me, it's just like cooking. It's a little extra flavor for something that might need it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. It's a to be honest, 90% of the time they're off. Right. I want them. The only thing that's on all the time is the compressor, compressor for my <laughs> books, you know, but I love it. I, I'm committed to it, you know. Uh, now, when you go to a solo, do you do a boost at all? Or is that just you playing harder even? Because your your sound came up on your solos when, when I saw the string. 
So I do use an overdrive. I'm a dark glass artist, uh, artist, and I will use the overdrive, and I will increase the gain just a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, but my drive is down. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it, it. Basically, my drive is shut off. So it's just a volume boost you're using it for. It does actually. If you shut off the older dark glass pedals, you will still get a drivey overdrive effect. Right. A very slight more like a Getty Lee type of sound. Cool. And I'll use it just for like increased volume. But uh, I mean, barely, just barely. Yeah. yeah. Nice. What is, uh, what's your amp of choice? Dale? I like the AG 700. Okay. Um, nice. I, I like clean. Um, yeah. I never, uh, you know, I never toured. Well, that's not true. My very first bass amp was actually a guitar head called the Lab Series by Gibson, the Gibson Lab Series. Oh, okay. And it had pre—I I believe it had preamp tubes. But um, hmm. I was worried. I was worried about being in like Norman, Oklahoma, and something you know, dropping my head and can't find tubes and stuff. So I went solid state pretty fast. Okay. And um, uh, so when I first came on with Aguilar, I actually had the old AG500 dual channel, which actually one channel was always overdriven. Okay. But the first channel was super clean. Hmm. Um, I switched to Tone Hammer 500s when uh, I was, you know, started repping them because, uh, man, it's a great head. It's super light. I mean, AG 500 was heavy. Yeah. Um, then when the AG 700, man, it's a reimagining of the old AG 500. So I was already kind of like that sound. But because I do a lot of looping and layering, I like it to be super clean. Hmm. With the Tone Hammers, it's built in. It has kind of this tube warmth to it, a little bit of a crunch to it. But if I put a drum loop through it, you could hear on the cymbals a little bit of the breakup. Oh, and it just, oh. I didn't like that. So, um, so I, you know, and I know this is a very niche thing. Not most players yeah. aren't going to loop with drum tracks and all this stuff. But, um, and also, you know, Stanley Clark spoke at our school once when I was still there. And he was all about clean power. You know, like someone said, if you had, you know, give me advice to me buying gear. He's always, he always back then, he said, buy as much wattage as you can, but not for volume, for headroom. Yeah. And he gave a whole wonderful description of what headroom was for bass players. And um, and so, yeah, I just always gravitated to ultra clean, no noise. I don't like any noise in my signal at all. I'll add it with like mm -hmm. a fuzz or something, but I like my bass, like I want my canvas to be white mm -hmm. so that if I put a color on it, it's really that color. Mm -hmm. Or if, the, if my amp is kind of maybe off beige, and I put a color on, it's not really the color I got, you know? So I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of a purist about that. It's um, so no jazz basses with you with single coils and the hum and all that stuff. Boy, I switched them out right away to <laughs> hum canceling pickups. Yeah, because yeah. I, I remember playing, uh, oh, I don't want to say, because I, I don't want it to come across. It was an early endorsement and then it was a smaller builder. And I was playing in uh, down in your area, I was playing a gig and it was pretty quiet and it was like three nights and we were just playing covers mm -hmm. uh so the first night was a thursday night and there was no one there and so we're just kind of playing so it was pretty quiet mm -hmm. and the lady behind the bar started up a blender and it came through my amp like oh. it was like <laughs> as soon as i touched my strings the blender went away oh but if i gosh. took my strings yeah. off yeah and so it was like oh man so oh. I, again, I prefer very clean sounds. Sure. Yeah, you know, so you're right. Everything's, I even changed all my pickups on my Warwick's. Wow. Not that MECs were inherently noisy or anything, but I just trust, I trusted the hum canceling of what we're making, so. It's a safety net for sure. Like it's just a safety Absolutely. in case, just in case 
But, you know, that's another thing, too, is some of these Class D or the, the, the power amps. I mean, for me, that that's why I love the DB750. It's because yeah. when I played a note, I just felt the girth in the note. Right, right. Some Class D amps don't have that. I mean, they, they're great. They're, they work. Yeah. But it doesn't have that, I don't know, that, that feeling. So I think, you know, and, and, yeah. And that's why that, you know, I mean, in fact, for several years now, SIR said that the uh, DB750 or 751 yeah. is the most requested head on riders now. Yes. And so it's delivering in the big, in the big arenas for sure. Um, and it used to be really big with churches. Some churches still use it, but a lot of churches are going to no amps on stage. Um, well, so it's a bummer for me. Here, I, yeah, years. yeah, yeah. But I use my tone hammer pedal, so nice. I can, you know, I can at least, you, you know, you know, use that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, and it's funny though because I remember Dino Monoxilis. I used to help him carry his SVT, his A10, and his SVT head because I he had a Harley, I had a truck, so I could get him to a gig. And and um, his it was like it was like the Big Bang Theory. His uh, elevator did not work. So we carried it down three flights of stairs. But I remember him telling me when he first moved in, he goes, yeah, I moved in. I got a great apartment and I was his counselor. So I'm like, good, man. Okay. He says, yeah, but I turned my SVT on and the guy downstairs complained. I said, oh, you played? He goes, no, I turned it on. The clunk that went through, boom, it went through when he turned it on. He said, yeah, I go, well, that's a loud head. But that's, but, that's a great sound. That's yeah. absolute power. That's yeah. just like you play and it's like, oh, it just fills you with warmth. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I like that. And that's why I, I like, mean, yeah, the seven. Yeah, before NAM starts, like in the mornings before NAM starts, yeah. uh, probably, I probably did when you were there, John. I'd go through all the bases, mm -hmm. but I plug in, I plug in the DB751 into our either 810 or 412 because oh. I don't get to, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah we did that. Glorious. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. There and you all have experienced this. There's a whole different experience pre NAM, post NAM, before oh, the yeah. show, after the show closes. We are a tight knit thing. We all go through the same thing. Our feet all are hurt, yeah. but that's when you really can hang with guys and you really can, you know. Um, I don't. I'm. I. I don't drink. I've, I've lived a straight, straight edge lifestyle. No drugs. Nice. No drinking. So my favorite for many years mm -hmm. was Saturday morning, Sunday morning, watching the guys come in that are the demonstrators who've been up all night playing, been up all night drinking, and they just walk in, uh, head down. <laughs> and you're like, hi, have a good time. Can, can I tell you my favorite times? This is <laughs> yeah. my favorite times. Um, is pre-NAM Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, setup day. So... I always have an exhibitor badge. Or at least I have for like the last, I don't know, six, seven years or whatever it is. Yeah. So I'm, I'm on there. Whether it be through Mike Lowell or Tsunami or somebody. And then I get to see my friends. Yeah. Well, fork yeah. trucks are going around and yeah. dirt all on the floor and the carpets are being laid down. And there's some like angry truck driving guy like, oh, blah, 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 bring that over here. Union. And like, They're all sounds union. and beeping yeah. and, and noise and forklifts everywhere and like and i'm like oh and this so-and-so oh and this one. hey hey yeah. oh you want to grab coffee oh i love it yeah. i fucking love it and i missed it so much this year yeah. same before i got to know you tony i i remember thinking that you were an undead 
you were maybe a vampire because Sunday morning you looked as good as you looked Thursday morning. None of us did. I mean, you would, because yeah. it seems like I'd always see you standing next to our booth with your gate bag over your shoulder, talking to guys, you'd have your coffee or whatever. And I'm like, dang, he doesn't even look tired. Yeah, man. I don't know. I'm going to throw garlic at you and see what happens. <laughs> I have a routine at NAM. I have a routine. Yeah. I okay. don't eat during the show. Like, yeah, that's like I only have, I'll have a light breakfast. I skip lunch and I have a, a light dinner. I don't drink during most of the show. I'll never drink like during the day. Yeah. And um, usually I'll have my last performance on Saturday. And then I'll go over to the GHS booth and I'll steal a Heineken from John. And I'll walk the show with like that. I'm like, okay, my job's done. Yeah, job's that's done. the way to do it. But I don't, I don't, you know, I'll drink Wednesday night, you know, yeah. because we have a little party at the Uber bar. But like, I don't, because I'm usually got a gig, I'm performing, I've got stuff to do. And I take a lot of vitamins. I'll take B vitamins. And stuff well, during you have the to. Day. Yeah. You got to. And I go to the gym. Yeah. There you go. Like 6.30 in the morning on Wednesday. Like we go to the, like, the, you know, so we, yeah. we stay fresh and active. I'm religious about it i don't yeah. really party hard do i drink yes do i drink to an excessive level no no, no. not at all i don't no. think i, I don't think no, i'm yeah none of us it's just i'll like, never I'm eat never, convention yeah. food by the way it's just a yeah. Rule. yeah i just don't no, that's why i always try to fight if, if the uh, hotel's got a buffet that's when i'll usually grab like some fruit and muffins and stuff throw it in my backpack and i'll like that'll be my lunch i get a yeah. case of water on tuesday Mm -hmm. Right, and I, you know, I'm usually at the hotel right across the street at the Alpine. Right? Oh no way, the Alpine! I That's love it. Place. I love it. So easy. I fucking love that place. Um, <laughs> I have a case of water. I bring a few waters in. You know, I always have like my pedal board, a base, yeah. and another bag. Like I always look like I'm traveling yeah. for something. Wow. I just, you know, get up early. I just try to take care of my body. Yeah, That's but important. We'll eat the flan. Of course you will. Well, I mean, good desserts I'll eat. Wow. I like going to Morton's and getting steak. Uh, Morton's, the only thing about Morton's is they crowd you in there yeah. where like your back is to it. So I've been, I've been kind of doing the Ruth Chris thing because they give nice. you a little more space. You know? mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anywhere you guys with got meat. big money people. No. Yeah. <laughs> Anywhere with meat. That's it. <laughs> you see what John and I go for breakfast in the morning? <laughs> John, tell them about it. What, Angelo's? It's, yeah, it's. Was it Alberto's? Alberto's? I think it was Angelo's. Yeah, it's basically a little fast food chain and it's not a clean one. Oh, it's very dirty. It's filthy. That's good for oh. your antibodies. Yeah. yeah, it builds up some. Yeah, like a $4 burrito like this. It's Ooh, just... I like that. $4 burrito? That big? You know the uh, the food trucks that Nam added are yes. great. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I'm a foodie. I love like trying different cuisines. I love I I think I think chefs are artists like us. I, I you know, and so being able to hear or taste their interpretation. Yeah. But there's if you're an exhibitor, there's not enough time. The lines to those things are so insane yeah, that unless that's why I don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it eats up too much of the time to be able to do that. So yeah. I don't want that stuff in my body. Like I'm running, I'm like, I'm literally running around. I mean, and now, you know, I do like all of us do A&R. 
-hmm. all of us, all of us, right? Do yeah. do A and R to some degree. Yeah. So between performing, being A and R, working, you know, I always have a band out there. Usually, a, there's a posse of guys. It's like I'm on the. I just don't eat. Don't yeah. eat. Have breakfast, and then it's a light dinner till Saturday night. Yeah. Saturday night, it's a heavy dinner. Yeah. Well, you're gonna need it, by then. Yeah. At JT's, right? Big dinner at JT's. Saturday night is usually the tsunami dinner. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That's a Mexican dinner. Oh yeah. Hunt yeah, goes yeah. off to his own thing. He does an anti-social GHS thing. Um, Actually, no. What I did last time was I took my girlfriend out on a date. Did you Aww. really? I did. We went down. We went Aww. to downtown Disney. We saw one of our bands that was playing there, and uh, yeah. Steve, where were you last that that last Saturday? You didn't join us at Tsunami. Maybe gig. I don't know. Or just sick of it because I was in charge of the whole thing. And I was like, I think you. Yeah, that was the thing. That was your first year handling logistics and stuff. From start to fucking. Finish. And Dale, you're freaking busy as all hell. Dale busy too. See, yeah. And I, so, I have a real hard time going. And and I don't mean to disrespect all the players that are my friends because you know all the guys from MI that might be playing and they'll say come play. After a day at NAM, I have to rest my ears and I have to get off my feet. Yep. And so I, you know, John knows, uh, I go back to my the hotel room mostly. I loved that you guys streamed. I hope you do that every time you stream the, the bass hang thing we'll the, because I watched time. John's set. I watched your set. Mm. Uh, I watched, watched Rodney's, I think, although I think there was some technical issues or something. I couldn't mm. get on for a little bit. So anyway, um, but I got to rest, you know, because yeah. even though my last seizure was 30, no, 25 years ago, it's it's a shadow over me. I can't, you know, the, the NAM show is so draining, and I know my triggers. I don't eat well. Yeah. I don't get enough sleep, and I'm stressed. So the one thing I can really control is to just go back to my yeah. room. And so Saturday out. night, you don't go out for dinner anywhere. Uh, usually not, unless well, that's okay. Let, let me back up. For the last couple of years, I go to uh, take dealers to dinner, so I get a, which is great. Yeah, I get a really great dinner. Usually Ruth, Chris, and Morton's. I took the guys from. Uh, Chuck Levin's Washington Music, super cool guys. Uh, I took some guys from Chicago Music Exchange, super oh, yeah. cool guys. They're all really cool hangs. So for me, that's wonderful. Eat some really great high quality food, mm -hmm. get off your feet and get mm -hmm. to know these people beyond just, you know, hey, do you need anything? Can I help you? Uh, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, last couple of years I do that. But pri previously, like when John was on staff with us, I'd always say, I'm just going to go back to the room. I just need to you get know, out. If you ever want to do the Saturday night tsunami dinner, it's Mexican food, of course, right? Yeah. Is it at Garcia's? Do you guys go to Garcia's? Oh, God, why can't I think of it? It's a few streets away. Hmm. Um, it's almost walkable. Hmm. Yeah. But I is, the target, is there a Target close by? It's around the corner, Dale. I can't oh, think of it. Oh, it's like right around the corner from the convention center? Yeah. Yeah. Around the corner, little Jesus sign. <laughs> oh, I know it. <laughs> now, now you got it. Um, I, I always see Mike Pope. Mike Pope is always there that on Saturday yeah. night there too. It um, might be Garcia's because a lot of the bass players. Uh, we took Yannick Wasdala there, and um, it's it's great, high quality Mexican food, yeah. reasonable price, you know, hmm. and uh, usually can get in pretty easy. It's a great hang. The tsunami artists come and, and so forth and so, we do the thing there so i know that we we're going on long but someday when you guys are doing a a, a hang to have john tell the hilton pete hilton nam odyssey that nearly killed me 
And that's how I actually met John. Oh my! Nearly God. killed and, all of us. And, and the fact that John and I became friends is because we held each other back from killing Pete Hilton. <laughs> I love Pete Hilton. That guy's crazy. I love oh, him. He's crazy, but don't ever have him pick the restaurant and tell oh. you it's just around the corner. It's walking distance. Just around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like an adventure that's going to take five hours. We saw the Jesus sign. I thought my Lord and Savior was calling me home. God. But I was about ready to die. Oh, that's hilarious. All right, so before we wrap things up, then, then we have yeah. a few questions, Dale. Right, so right. let's just, uh, John Moody, we'll start with the first question, actually. Uh, let me see. Uh, living or dead, who would you want to jam with? Oh, man, great question. Um, part of me just, I would love to jam with, like, Dave Garibaldi. Right. I would just love to play with Dave yeah. Garibaldi. My instinct was to first say Neil Peart. But I would just spend the entire time wetting myself and second guessing every note that I played. Um, but awesome. I think, I mean, I love Tower Power. I've seen them more times than I can count. And I've seen them with Russ McKinnon on drums, who's also a monster. Okay. But to sit down and lock in and play. Hmm. And I don't even know if I'd want to play a song. I'd really love to just improvise with Garibaldi because he's really infamous, like, or not infamous, he's famous for if the groove's good, he'll lift a beat. He'll, he'll change where the accents are. And what he does with simple 16 notes on a hi-hat sure. is like a lesson on vocabulary. It's, mm. I, I, yeah, Garibaldi would be my guy. Nice. I like that. All right. Steve? Should I say? All right. Uh, living or dead, who would you uh, like to study with? Wow. Um, you know, I would like to... It's... Hmm. It's someone I actually studied with awesome. previous like who it. passed away. Oh. And I would love to go back now where I'm at now mm -hmm. and see where he would take me. And that's, I don't know if you guys know Jim Lacefield. Jim Lacefield was at one point, I believe the most recorded bass player in history. Wow. Like every of uh, the first original three Star Wars movies, he was the bass player. Anything Spielberg, he was the bass player. He was in um, Free Flight, which was a fusion band that Stanley Clark had some part with. Um, he was just the first call LA session guy. And he taught a class at MI. He was a, a hard teacher, mm. but I learned so much from him. He was a loving guy. He found out he was the reason, one of the reasons why I got hired. And I thought he hated me. Wow. Um, but uh, I would like to go back now with my skill set mm -hmm. and say, you know, okay, where now? You, I, I'm like, I've taken your lessons and I'm here. Awesome. Because I'm curious, because I put him on a very high pedestal. He's a doubler. So I would love to just have him like listen to everything I'm doing. Yeah. And Because, man, he was one of my favorite, absolute favorite instructors. What, a, what an amazing guy. And Jim Lacefield. That was Jim Lacefield. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and Tony, ask the last one. I think this is good because uh, you're a foodie. Go ahead, Tony. Yep. You want to ask it? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and ask it. I'll ask it. Yeah, hold on. He doesn't have a choice. Okay. We already asked one. You want me to? Um, Dale, uh, who would you like to have a meal with? Anybody. Living or dead? Wow. Yeah. Living, dead, you know, another planet. Who cares? I've, I've been uh, able to eat at some of the restaurants from the Chop Judges. So oh. those are cool. Yeah. Uh, Manjit or Manit. Manit. Uh, her restaurant in Nashville is phenomenal. So next time Nam Show goes there, I'll give you guys the recipe or the directions. Nice. But honestly, um, I would really like to, because I mentioned earlier, Tim Boker was a friend of mine, mm -hmm. but we just, 
could we we live in different parts i couldn't get down to see him he wasn't able to travel i would love to just have one last dinner with him uh and sit down and i'd like to you know he was the very first person i ever interviewed and he was so kind to me he kind of helped me along <laughs> like no this is how it should go yeah, yeah. he was a powerful teacher for both bass and vocals for me mm. uh and he became a great friend and uh, i just regret that um you know, guys, if there's someone in your life who's not doing well health, and obviously they're kind of heading down a path, don't procrastinate. I procrastinated and I lost out. So I would really, really, really love to sit down one last time, thank him. And man, you can ask him anything about Harleys. You could ask him anything about bass playing. Uh, he has amazing road stories, some not suitable for everyone, but uh, but uh yeah man i would love one last hang with timbo it would be awesome oh, i love it that's nice. great that's great got some good answers i like it yeah. Yeah. nice yeah. nice that was man. fantastic yeah well well dale we're gonna close off everything and then uh awesome. we're gonna stop recording but we're gonna talk for a couple more minutes right yeah so now you'll get behind the uh you'll get behind the red uh red rope this is okay so, um, let's go uh, but yeah, all right. <laughs> now we're talking. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Hold on. <laughs> oh, all right. What? <laughs> Nothing. Um, where? So Tony usually asks this, but I'm going to ask it. Where can people find you? Socials, website, all that stuff, Dale. Uh, I'm pretty uh, easy to find on um, Facebook and Instagram. Just uh, I think I think Instagram is Dale Dash Titus. Okay, I'll find uh, it. I'll put it there. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll put it. And, and then it. honestly, my YouTube channel, the Everything Based with Dale Titus. Now you have to actually, if you search for it, mm -hmm. it's got to be Everything Based with Dale Titus because nope. there's an Everything Bass, uh -huh. which is a fishing thing, <laughs> yeah. um, which I do enjoy sometimes fishing. So I'll answer oh. any questions they might have. But Everything <laughs> Based with Dale Titus would be great. I, and, and like I said, I'll put a, I'll put it right here. It'll be uh, under you. There'll be a title. And how about a web page? Uh, you know, I do have DaleTitus.com. It's okay. a bit uh, antiquated. Sure. I need to. It's for really my private lessons because I love to. I mean, I love teaching. Nice. And that's been another thing that's been hard to do. I just built some plexiglass dividers. Okay. Hopefully that I can start teaching in person again. Beautiful. Um, but yeah, they can check out DaleTitus.com. It's it's a little old, yeah. Um, yeah, but you're welcome Con to put that up. Yeah, contact info is on there. Yeah. If somebody's interested yeah. and they can look. That's awesome, man. This has been incredible. I... I I've known about you forever. Never talked to you, but man, it's it's just rad. You you are definitely you, you have history in this industry, man. And I, I I love it, man. And you know, it's crazy how in my lifetime, you know, this base thing has uh, yeah, it's pretty rad. Anyways, I it, it's just great talking to you, man, and, and learning. Well, in all seriousness, please keep doing this, guys. I mean <laughs> we for my my mental health to be able to just listen in and like I said, I laugh and I learn. And I know that I'm not alone. And, and with your guys' permission, I'm going to be spamming the heck out of this. And so, um, it, you know, I'll, I'll, everything base will know about it. All my family and my base family will know about it. So anyway, uh, keep doing this because it's so important. We're all kind of hurting. We're all feeling a little bit isolated. Yeah. But I can tell you, for this conversation, I just felt like we were hanging around a table at man. Hell yeah. So, Dude, yeah. I mean, we've got a great comment, actually. Um, for, about the show it's and it's just us friends just goofing yeah someone wrote me um on talk base saying i don't have many friends and listening to you guys makes me feel like i'm hanging around with the people that i can't see anymore 
so important so important Ah, that means a lot man means a lot dale you know it touched the comment yeah that's awesome well i i uh, wish you guys all luck many blessings because you too uh, i'm going to become your biggest cheerleader and um yeah let me know anytime don't ever hesitate there's anything you want to promote just let me know because i would do it easily i think this is so important so thank you guys all right well, this thank is you. the moment. Yeah, really. Thank you, Dale. It means a lot, man. And, and anything we can do also, obviously. So, um, but this is a time where, hey, we've all been waiting for. Dale's been waiting for. We actually stopped yeah, recording. It. This was, Oh, this was episode 24. 24. Pretty right. Oh, hey. Congrats. Yeah. One man. more and we get a uh, insurance break. Oh, 25. That's true. <laughs> right. We get a break. Um, we stopped recording and we talked shit for a little while. Behind the scenes. This is the green room now. So anyways, Dale, thank you. Uh, Big Bottom. Everybody, thank you for watching, everybody. Thanks, Dale. And I'm going to stop recording right now. Mm